0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to from.
1: <laughs> you said it in order that time.
0: Oh, oh well, well. <laughs> good job, I guess. <laughs> you just tell yourself good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome to from Bob's office. Um, I'm so far I've been attacked three times. Um, today is. I forgot to look. Today is November 21st, A.K.A. National Gingerbread Cookie Day. Um it is currently 3:42 p.m. and we are recording from Bob's office.
1: I am Jake Mathis. I do feel really bad that I interrupted. You had you had good flow and yeah, I was, was just so really shocked well that you set it, it in me. order for the first time. It's like, I didn't know if it was on purpose or not.
0: It's like when you play like Battleship and you like set up your boats in like this perfect way and then like the first turn your battleship gets sunk and you're like there goes my entire game plan, I guess. <laughs>
1: I always put them all in one corner. Is it bad that I got hung up in your story because you played battleship with boats instead of ships? (laughs) (laughs) My battleship, I guess. I don't know. That's just how my mind works. (laughs) It's not necessarily a good thing. Anyway, I'm Jacob Bomber. And the next voice you hear belongs to a good friend of mine from the Ultimate Community. We've been on multiple teams together, and we both enjoy analyzing sports way too much. He is one of the most thoughtful, analytical, inquisitive people I know, and I'm very excited for him to join us on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, Ethan Search. Howdy. So we're going to, there wasn't a lot to talk about since Tuesday, so we're just going to talk about a couple of football games and then move on to the bulk of our show, because we have so much to talk about that doesn't revolve around what we normally talk about. So first, the game tonight that starts in an hour and a half. Oh man! That, that based on the length of our shows lately <laughs> might be over by the time we <laughs> finish recording.
0: Luckily I could pull it up on my phone probably.
1: I mean, we so Colts-Texans. I don't even remember where the game is being played.
0: Yeah, I think it's in Indy.
1: <laughs> nope, it's in Houston.
0: That's why it's Colts-at-Houston. Yeah, You said that and you're like, I don't know where it is.
1: I don't think I said at. I'm pretty I said Colts-Texans. No, I just said Colts-Texans. It's like possible is doing is Brissette healthy? Is Watson healthy? Watson screwed my fantasy team last week. They I didn't
0: know are Watson both healthy <laughs> wasn't healthy. I don't think Merlin matched. He Mack got is healthy. he got
1: hit or something early in the game and that screwed him up. Like someone rolled up on his knee, Watson. And he only had like 5 fantasy points for me. Is that
2: why they laid an egg? Yeah. I mean they also I mean they did play a pretty decent quarter, team too. And he only did get sacked 6 times.
1: I mean the team that they played was pretty decent. We're all right. <laughs> Ethan says we because he's a fan of that team. Go Ravens, go. Yeah.
0: I don't think that – that didn't sound right.
1: That's because you're used to saying go Kings, go. No. Go Pack, go is oh, the, that the natural one. Okay. Well, the natural <laughs> a one. A lot of How dare sports teams. <laughs> How dare you be unnatural. <laughs> I know. It really is – anyway. Um, so, I don't know. I picked the Texans because I felt like Watson would be fine, and I just don't. A lot of faith in the Colts anymore. At the start of the year, I thought they were doing pretty good. But.
0: Yeah, I'm still um, I'm going to the Texans too. They're probably going to win the AFC South just because they benched Gardner Minshew, so Jacksonville has no hope unless he comes <laughs> off the bench.
2: I don't know. I'd like to say that the Texans are going to win it, but the Colts' offensive line has always been pretty remarkable.
1: They are very good. The highlights of Quentin Nelson running around just destroying people are pretty fun to watch. Yes. He's a big guy. So, I don't know.
2: I don't see Houston taking back-to-back major losses. That doesn't make sense Yeah. with their progression. But the Colts are not losing a ton at the current moment. Not really winning a you ton You already either. backed
1: up from the microphone.
0: <laughs> I was just invited to a turkey bowl from a church that I went to one time.
1: Well, you're already committed.
0: Uh, it's this Saturday. Oh. Free, Triple, Free Chapel, Irvine. I went there one time and I guess I'm still on their text list for
1: men. They're like have you not received any other messages from them ever?
0: No, I get like every one like once a month I get one from them. Like hey, how are you doing? And like mean, and they're like are you enjoying our services? That. And I'm like oh, I haven't <laughs> gone. Yeah, they invited me and You have the ability kind to of, change your environment. I can say stop, but I can yeah. also go play football.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're going to show up and everyone's going to go, who are you? And you're going to go, who are you? And
0: I will say that um I and probably shouldn't say his name friends. actually.
1: <laughs> that is true.
0: A guy named Mike invited me so. <laughs> Mike. That was actually the guy's name. I, I'm not gonna say his last name.
1: All right, so clearly we didn't really care too much about Colts Texans, but the other two games that are prime time are the games we care about. So I'm gonna let Jake preview Packers and Niners.
0: Oh yeah, so um, old Green Bay. We're gonna be taking a flight down over to a uh, San Francisco. We're gonna go in there and we're gonna stomp down some Niners.
1: It sounded like more Chicago accent than. Did not sound like the correct accent. I Were don't... you trying to be Wisconsin?
0: No, nah, it just kind of came out.
1: No. I think yeah, that was definitely I think it much more like that Chicago.
0: Now. <laughs> nah, Chicago's like this, don' bad, don'.
1: I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to either place.
1: Hollywood, Chicago.
0: Hollywood, Chicago. <laughs> I haven't been to either one, so I don't know. Um, um
1: I was not listening to what you said because I was distracted by your accent.
0: <laughs> I am not surprised. This is now the third time that he has stopped <laughs> caring what I've had to say.
1: Um, it's because you're so interesting in other ways. That's <laughs> probably not true. That's
0: what my microphone. You told. just call me a liar.
1: <coughs> so. That's when you say, "Well, I ain't calling you a truther. I set you up. Ha you ha love ha that ha show.
0: Ha. I do, but <sighs> it wasn't on my mind. On my. <coughs> why am I dying? I got money on my mind, apparently. (coughs) It's an old song, in case you didn't know.
1: Ethan's like, why am I here? (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) You messed me (laughs) up earlier, so I'm just going to continuously mess everything up up now. Um, San Francisco is going to lose their second game because, you know, Green Bay is Green Bay. And... Honestly, this is their first big test and uh, last week they didn't look too great against uh, This is
1: San Francisco's first big test? Yeah. So playing against Seattle didn't count as a big test?
0: Oh, uh, it definitely did. But they lost. So
1: So this is their second, second big test.
0: Well, yeah, this is their next big loss.
1: You hope. <coughs> I you know. You want that you want that top spot.
0: That number 1 seed would be pretty nice to come back. After have, missing the playoff for two years and us going in number one seed, we'd be pretty nice.
2: I haven't watched the Packers as much as I probably could have, but have they done well against
0: running teams? They haven't done. They've done much better than they have the last ten years. So, yeah, I would say they. <laughs> we have a top ten defense, so I would say we're going to be all right. And they're, you know, the whole them being a running team kind of doesn't really phase me too much because they're like, their lead guy has one touchdown. Our lead guy has 11, so mm-hmm. we're also kind of a run-heavy team this year. Which, and they have so many injuries on their right now. I don't know about defense, but I know on offense they have five starters who are questionable or doubtful to play, which is pretty big. And D Ford is also questionable to play, and then I another one their defensive lineman is also questionable to play, which gives me hope and. We beat them now, gives us a number one seed, and hopefully it means we don't play them in the playoffs. Or if we do, it's in the frozen tundra, which we'll definitely beat them in the elements. West Coast team can't go play in the snow. I'm actually curious if that
1: upholds. I know, because people always talk about the like West Coast teams having to travel across the country and how that's a huge disadvantage. I'm like, yeah, a freaking private plane. No, no, no. That's amenities. not the issue. The issue is, know, like, but the negative like, two degrees
0: in January that Green like, Bay
1: is. I mean, Green Bay has to play in it, too. They, but I mean, they're used to it. You do not get used to it They play t- in <laughs> it every single week. That was one
2: thing when we did have our Super Bowl run many moons ago with uh, – Somewhat non-elite quarterback named Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco is elite. Playoff um, elite, Joe Flacco. When we went to play in Denver, he actually practiced the entire week before because he doesn't wear gloves on his throwing hand. So he would actually stick his hand in a freezing bucket of water, or a very cold bucket of water, yeah. and then he would practice throwing with his hand extremely cold to get used to playing in Denver at the high altitude plus the cold weather. So that's not a West Coast team. And Baltimore does have games that we do play in snow occasionally, but it's not a frozen tundra.
1: (laughs) I've been really cold playing a sport once, and it was the worst sport experience of my life. And I wanted to get out of there as fast as possible, and it was in Colorado.
0: Imagine a team who's used to it, who's been playing in it. Because right now, they already had their first snowfall, so it's already snowing there. It's already getting cold for them. It's another reason I appreciate living here. What did you? Say? What was that sound? <laughs> <laughs> ah. silence. Technology. That. Technology. Sound like a water droplet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. Um, I think it's gonna be a good game, close game, but I see Green Bay edging them out. I think it's gonna be a good game though. Very defensive heavy. The Niners defense is pretty spectacular. Yeah.
1: I'm going to go Niners on this one. And because it's in San Francisco, I'm also going Niners. I can't wait. They're favored by three.
0: I can't wait for us to go in there and score 75 points. Okay.
1: Yeah. Bold <laughs> prediction. Aaron Rodgers serves
0: for 888 yards. 73 touchdowns. Interesting number to choose.
1: <laughs> so they would have more than 75 points then. Math. Wow. Moving on.
0: Seven times seventy-three touchdowns would be five hundred and eleven points. I'm, that's a Madden game right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never scored that many points in a Madden. Game. I've
0: scored like one hundred and thirteen, and I'm like, why am I doing this? And then I realized that I made it fifteen-minute quarters. Oh,
1: <laughs> that would mm. increase. That it was high. like my
0: first day with like Madden, like thirteen. It was pretty wild. I think Calvin Johnson was the cover athlete. Curse got him. Ah, I, I feel like Detroit got him. <laughs> you're not going to want to play for You're that, not wrong. The team forever. You are not
1: wrong. The other game on the docket is one of much more importance. That actually is not <laughs> true. I mean, you're going to be fine either way. We have to win I'm to not keep gonna our be hopes fine alive. Way. I mean, the team. The Vikings are right behind us. Okay, but having three losses is like us and the Vikings are fighting behind that in the wild card. If we lose, then we're at five and that really sets us back. So we really need a win. Whereas the Ravens are sitting pretty good in the second season. We need a win (laughs) so that we can take that home field advantage away from the Patriots. I'm really excited about this game for two reasons. One, I'm hoping that we can step up against another big opponent and play well. Um, and I'm very excited because Ethan and I are going to the game looking forward to it that's my first game of the year after going to four last year and those went pretty well especially the one against the Packers but
0: we lost that game for <laughs> ourselves you, you know that well,
1: <laughs> I agree but and then
0: we shipped them off
1: <laughs> yep get rid of them um, but no I am really excited um, to I'm really excited to see Lamar Jackson play in person I think that'd be
2: crazy. I'm very excited about that. This will actually be my first game, first NFL game outside of Baltimore. Uh, also, probably the first game where it's not freezing cold
1: at yeah, the stadium or nice. raining. Hopefully, it shouldn't be raining. Our weather has been terrible. Get, okay, terrible is exaggerated. It sprinkled for a few minutes the <laughs> yeah. other day. It was pretty hard at my house. I mean, there was some significant lightning. It was pretty sweet. Oh, that's nice. Oh, we, we, had, didn't, please, we don't get that down south. <laughs> down south. <laughs> It, like, it was Tuesday night, it was, there was a huge streak of lightning, very bright, and then, like, eight seconds later, just, boom, boom, like, huge thunder. It was cool. I was in the shower, and I like, did I drop minutes.
0: something? And I'm like, why would I ask myself that? I clearly didn't drop something.
1: It's good analysis. Um, so, <clears throat> what?
0: I can talk about that after, so keep talking about your game.
1: Your shower experience? No 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 no, no. the thunder. Because Uh-oh.
0: the Lakers play a thunder on Friday.
2: I think it's gonna be a really interesting game. I being as being at the top where we're at in our division right now is honestly a little nerve wracking for me. I think that's the PTSD of having Joe Flacco as our quarterback for so many <laughs> seasons is every time we've started to get good we always kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. But this year definitely feels different. Um, the additions to our secondary have made our defense kind of a lot more like the old days. You're welcome. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. You also Peters has helped that. out a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, we didn't get... Who did we get from you guys? We didn't... No, it was for...
2: linebacker. Linebacker. And yeah. a first round didn't draft they, pick? No. Second round. Third, you I got think. a draft pick.
1: Oh, definitely wasn't a first-rounder for <laughs> no, Marcus yeah, Peters. No. Marcus, no man-to-man defense Peters. I really uh,
0: hope that he brings one home on on Monday. That would pick be his six. fourth pick six yeah. Yeah, season? Yeah, but I just think it would be great from his former team.
1: Oh, I do too. Um, it's very likely Jared Goff has been throwing the ball where he freaking wants you know. He would also be – That's I think, why
0: they need to put in Blake Bortles.
2: No, they don't. I think he would be the only player to ever get a pick six for two different
1: teams on the same field. In the same season. That would be incredible. Do it. I'm almost Now down. they have to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm almost down. We would need a lead first. Or you guys would just need to be up by a lot. And Goff just gets desperate at the end of the game. And, and then it would happen. That would be a scenario where I could see that happening.
0: And then he bench him for the rest of the year and put Blake Bortles in.
1: Because as good as Aaron Donald is, I don't actually trust our defense that much. Aaron Donald is a frightening character. You don't yeah. trust Jalen Ramsey? Okay, here's the thing. It's not like... That's how we're going to lose the game. He's the best corner in the game. It's not like if Jalen Ramsey shuts down a wide receiver that Baltimore all of a sudden is screwed. (laughs) That's not how this works. (laughs) Their best receiving threat is their tight end. Yes.
0: (laughs) That's a strong point. (laughs) So, (laughs) so,
1: I mean, it's not like we don't really have good coverage tight ends. Littleton kind of can do that, but Fowler's just a rusher. Three. Oh. We rotate three tight ends throughout
2: most of the games. Mark Andrews is... Very good, Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. Hurst, that's what it was. Yeah, First, I I Hurst. I remember Boyle. The yeah. other three, yeah. So all three of them, they did an analysis the other day. I forget what news yeah. recap I was watching, um, but they were breaking down how we use the tight ends. Uh, our receivers get the ball a decent amount, but our receiving core is actually like the least targeted in the league, I think.
1: But they all have because you average. 225 rushing yards a game. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, Mark Ingram.
2: But a lot of the tight ends have to be covered by linebackers, so a lot of the cornerbacks yeah. in the league don't really play a part too often because there's
1: no one to guard. Yeah. So Ramsey's going to be almost useless this game.
0: Not if they put him against a uh, tight end.
1: That would be stupid. Ramsey's like 5'10". Yeah. Oh, that's probably not true. He's probably like Ramsey
0: Ramsey's still a monster, though. He hits pretty well.
1: Yeah. He hit it dope tackle last <laughs> week he picked somebody up and looked like he was going to pod drive him and then he just let go and the guy just fell four feet down <laughs> on the ground he's by
2: far one of my favorite players Um, I would love to see the Heisman package one me more time me too
1: it's pretty exciting I just he's six on. one. okay so I really like Lamar Jackson and I really like Mark Ingram because I'm an Alabama fan I can't Robert Griffin get me out of here he was a great rookie, and then get me out of here. He is an exceptional backup quarterback. <laughs> exceptional?
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, they, he knows most of the quarterbacks in the league because he's played against them for so long. So it's easy for him to jump in and replicate a lot of their play styles. And you have a running quarterback, so our defense knows how to guard a running quarterback or a throwing quarterback when they practice against him. I guess in that, that context, we're clever.
0: I saw a thing where um when they the week before they played the Patriots, Lamar Jackson helped the defense by imitating um Tom Brady. He's like, Yeah, I ran in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just stood still the whole time. It took a few steps.
2: But I'm excited to see him in action in person. That'll be really exciting. What
1: have they even done out of the like what do they run out of the Heisman package? Do they do triple option things? Do they do like what does that even look like? Um because I heard about it, but I didn't actually watch any of the plays. It was essentially, there.
2: yeah, it was an option with Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin, and they they ran to the right side. But I think had they gone to the left, it was just an option left, so they could literally go option either side. Yeah. But you also have two passers in the backfield, so you don't know if they're also going to just like lateral it and throw yeah. it deep, and plus you have like three tight ends on the field. Because back well. in the day, NCAA so,
1: football, you would play, you do the triple <laughs> option, and it's a the fullback comes up and you either hand off to the fullback for a dive up the middle or you pull it and now you're running to the outside. So that's the first option. Second option is for the quarterback to take it. Third option is for right. the quarterback to pitch it and take it. But what if they just do something crazy and make
0: Mark Ingram throw the ball? No one would see that coming. Exactly. <laughs> I would prefer to not see that either. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe he's a great thrower.
2: I There's two better ones in that package that I would much rather have them throw.
0: How about Marquise Hollywood? Give him the ball and throw it.
1: Why did you act like Hollywood was his last name? Because
0: uh, oh, it's Brown. <laughs> like, I had no idea what his last name <laughs> is. <laughs> I just call him Hollywood.
1: My favorite thing about Robert Griffin is two of his nicknames. Which two? The Bobby boys. Three Sticks, because it's Robert Griffin. Yeah, nice, so Bobby Three Sticks and R.G. G. threes It's mm-hmm. <laughs> clever. <laughs>
0: You should make a sign. Oh, that makes me that. so happy.
1: No! I'm going to be over here rooting <laughs> for Robert Griffin III. Let's go RG Threeses. I don't even make signs for my players. I didn't either. I just, so Ethan talked about he's going to be super obnoxious at the game on Sunday, which I'm all about. I'm for it. And the people around us are going to hate him, but that's too bad. Yeah. Because no one's going to attack Got to I'm there. It's very true. Roll up. Roll yeah. up. See what happens. Um, <laughs> and if Cody's there too. We actually,
2: uh, I went. Was this many be moons- a fight story? Uh, no, oh, damn. it was <laughs> quite the opposite. Uh, we okay. went to the Harbow many moons ago on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Niners, Ravens. This that was the year before we went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law is from Northern California, so he is a Niners fan, and he went with my sisters and my father to M&T Bank in Baltimore to watch the Ravens, Forty ers Oh boy! Um, he had a red Corduroy suit on with a Niners jersey underneath it. And Red
1: corduroy nice, suit.
2: when go. we sat down in our seats, um, he got heckled a lot. Um, where Baltimore's stadium is is not necessarily the, like, friendliest part of town. Yeah. So we had got to our seats, and this was back when Ray Rice was still playing with us. Um, he actually had a very massive hand in, like, anti-bullying campaigns around Baltimore. Rice did? Yes. Okay. Um, and before every game there was like a recorded video that would come on and it'd be Hey, let's treat our traveling fans with respect and this big long drawn out thing and immediately all fifteen people that were sitting around us, Heckling, my brother in law, all immediately walked up and were like, Hey man, good game And then they just like shook his hand before <laughs> That's the game. Dope. And as soon as the whistle blew they all just went straight back to heckling. Him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's better. <laughs> it was a quality moment. That's fantastic. I love that. As long as as long as it's good-natured heckling, there should oh. never be a threat of violence. There should never be like, just hey, your team sucks. Ah, yours too. All right, let's go. Like that's literally <laughs> all that should happen. Like that nah. is beautiful. That's great. That's how it should work. I but when don't be like. Cheese
0: hats and throw in the field. Right.
1: <laughs> I've never seen you be confrontational. I know. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I've never been confrontational either. There was a fight. There was almost a fight behind us at. The It was Rams-Vikings Monday night game last year.
0: No, I had to fight a Vikings fan.
1: He <laughs> wasn't a Vikings fan. <laughs> That's the worst part. Is Everyone in our section, we were all Rams fans, and there was a giveaway. It was like a towel or something. And some guy, like there was a guy with his girlfriend, and that guy had, had a lot to drink. And there were these other guys. There were four guys together. And at some point, the two had like gotten up. I don't know what. But the guy, one of the guys of the four went over and he was asking about the towels that were sitting there. Because, like, if they're just going to be extra, he was going to ask to have them. So he, like, went and he asked the girl, because the guy had gone. And she was like, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, okay, whatever. And he, like, they, I didn't actually really pay attention to that conversation because it seemed <laughs> not important. Well, dude who drank too much came back and was heated. That this guy had the audacity to talk to his girl. Oh, so man. now he's just going off on this guy about talking to his girl. The guy's like, dude, all I was trying to do was see if the – like, I, we're good. You can – we're fine. The dude just kept going and going and going. It's like, oh, my God. Like, he really wanted to get up and fight this dude. And I'm just sitting there like, can we not? <laughs> we're all – we're all Ram- like, multiple people in the area were like, guys, we're all Rams fan. Let's just pay attention to this game, please. Like, let's go. And it was so stupid. I was very upset.
0: My only experience of that stadium was um, after the game was over. This guy who drank too much threw up on this lady. Like this guy, Rams fan threw up on a Packers fan while <laughs> like walking like up the stairs, and like projectile vomit just straight onto her back. <laughs> and literally, like this, our section was mostly Green Bay fans too. We, get, we all just look at him. And like then we all look at the woman and you're like, You guys want some water to clean it off? Like <laughs> all of us are just like so nice. And then there's this like Rams guy who's like stumbling He's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's not in the goonies, he was drunk. Um it was just it was terrible. That's my Rams fan story. Nixon. I'll keep an eye out for
1: those ones. Yeah. Yeah. None of us <laughs> want to get puked on. But I, Cody
0: I would have puked back on him. If he puked on me, just blah.
1: <laughs> You can just on command. You can just do that.
0: If someone puked on me, I'm probably. I mean, puking. I'd <laughs> gag pretty hard,
1: but I don't know if I would actually <laughs> vomit. It would take. I'd have to see it and know it's coming. But then like, you'd have to be it, building have, it up. Oh, I don't know. There would man. have to be build up, and then we don't need to keep having. These I'm good. <laughs> um, so Cody is also pretty big. Cody's like six yes. five. Huh. Solid. so yeah, six foot club. No, he's yeah.
0: not. Yes, he is. He probably is, actually.
1: Cody is definitely 6'5".
0: Nah, he's not that tall compared to me. And
1: Owen's a big kid, so we'll be fine. Um, I could fight Owen. No, you, um, I mean, you have the ability to <laughs> yeah, fight him. Do, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> winning percentage, though, that varies. It can, it can be arranged. He'll be in here on Tuesday. <laughs> he won't be talking on the podcast. He'll just be hanging out. But we'll just hear him laugh.
0: Yeah. Maybe. We'll, why don't we just give him a mic? Why not? I mean, we could. If you had any questions for Ian... <laughs>
1: I don't think he's ever seen Ian. I mean, that doesn't mean he can't have questions. That should be a reason. I have I more questions. He We're not going to solve that problem right now. <laughs> um.
2: I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. Ravens by two touchdowns. I don't
1: trust us to stop Lamar Jackson. That's why. I'm
2: just nervous. <laughs> I'll be honest. I think we're a really
1: talented team. I don't think you guys can stop Lamar Jackson, but <laughs> I'm just nervous. <laughs> I don't. I don't, don't want to get too hyped. I put. <laughs> we have our like pickums thing that we do, mm-hmm. and so somebody put like a ton on Baltimore. I was offended. Oh, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck? or Bob, I don't remember who.
0: Yeah. Um. The only those. way I think the Rams can um, like fix their season is if they put Blake Bortles in. So other than that, I think it's done.
1: Oh, my. That needs to stop happening.
0: I should have worn my jersey. Why? Because got to support the boat.
1: Oh, that. Today? You needed to wear it today to <laughs> yeah, support him today just because? I
0: want him to know that I'm still out there supporting him.
1: <laughs> Did he know you were out there before?
0: I mean, it's possible.
1: At least one Blake
0: Bortles fan page has liked something of mine.
1: They report all their activity to Blake Bortles. Probably. It was Chuck. Chuck put 20 points on the Ravens to cover.
0: Wow, out like, of 50, right? I'm offended. Yeah. Oh man.
1: We get 50 points to allocate over all the games, <laughs> Oof. so you can you have to bet at least one on each game. And wow. He bet 20. I'm offended. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, I put one on Baltimore because that way, either way, I <laughs> have a positive <laughs> outcome. I usually do that with the Rams. Like most Rams games, I bet. On the other team to cover, just so I can be like, well, if we won, we won, and that's all I really care about. And if we lost, we're like, well, at least I got some points out of it. <laughs> but it's hard to do if we like don't even cover the spread. It's like last week, we covered the spread last week, so I was happy. But whatever. Yeah, it's really did exciting. I can't wait. What? What? Who did you lose to last week?
0: What, what, what? Lose to last
1: we week? didn't lose we beat the Bears on Sunday night. Television. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a bad game. Football. Oh, boy. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't proud of it in the same way Steelers <laughs> fans should not have been proud of beating us the week before. I could beat a Both Bears. Both games were so bad.
0: I could beat a Bears team with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback.
1: He wasn't the last series. Could you yeah, beat a Bears good. team with Chase Daniel as their quarterback?
0: Oh, I don't know. That's a little more threatening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how would you become a Ravens fan? <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: my entire family is from Baltimore. Um, my family has owned a business in Baltimore for many years, and so aunts, uncles, cousins, parents, sisters—they are all from Baltimore. I'm the only one that's not from there, but cheer with the family, home roots, all that good stuff. And so, for there was a brief stint where I was a Broncos fan as a child but that's because the neighbors that i had in texas were from denver and at the time my immediate family wasn't super into sports so i watched ed mccaffrey catch a lot of balls mm. and that was super fun they're good at it and then i realized that i had no attachment to the broncos other than my neighbors yeah. and my entire family was ravens fans
1: so when did how old were
2: you when the ravens became a thing so Ravens were started in 95. Oh. I was born in mean, 91. So
1: I'm that much older than you. That's impressive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um but I do remember it being I watched our first Super Bowl win with Trent Dilfer.
1: <laughs> Leading the way. I always forget what year that was. I always confuse I always forget or I confuse that because it was them against the Giants. I confuse them with When Tampa Bay and Oakland played each other. And that always messes me up. Yeah. I think 2000, 2001. Well, uh, the other thing that is not helpful is that the Super Bowl is not played in the same calendar year as the season. So, like, the Rams won in 1999, but it was actually in 2000. That makes sense. So, I think the next year was Baltimore, New York. 2001. Yeah. So, in February, January, whatever, 2001. Yeah. And then I I was in high school. I was not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't either.
2: Okay. And then I watched the second Super Bowl win with the good old Joe Flacco. More importantly, Ed Reed, my favorite player. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Watched that one. I actually lived with all Niners fans in college. And so that made for a really, been, yeah. really great.
1: The Beyonce uh, Super Bowl.
2: I didn't pay attention to the halftime show. I was really stoked that we were winning.
1: (laughs) The the power went out. Yes. (laughs) Beyonce shut down the Super (laughs) Bowl. (laughs) But I was really stoked after
2: we won that one. Reasonably. Rubbed it in all of my roommates' faces. (laughs) A few weeks. That would be rough, man. But it was pretty great. So, yeah. That's how I
1: became a Ravens fan. So, as long as you've remembered. Pretty much. Ravens have been. Yeah. Cause I remember pre-Ravens days, the Colts. Yeah. Well, I don't remember. No, that was before, because they were the <laughs> Colts. the Browns and they there left, too? But they left earlier. No the, no. the Browns became the Ravens. That's right. The Browns moved from Cleveland to Baltimore. And the Browns in 1995. Brown. Yes. And then the Browns came back in 1999. If you need more information based on that, refer to our third podcast ever with yeah, Mike Gentles I, and his entire I'm history still of Cleveland with sports. That. <laughs> <laughs> He knew everything that was going on there. Um, But yeah, because Baltimore was the Colts, and then they moved to Indianapolis in the 80s. And Mm -hmm. then the Browns had existed since like 1940-something, and then moved to Baltimore. And everyone was mad.
2: There are two statues outside of M&T Bank, Johnny Unitas and Ray Lewis.
1: That's so... Well, okay, no, that makes sense. Because Johnny Unitas was Baltimore Colts. Yeah, Johnny Unitas was the man. He was great. Whenever
0: I think of Johnny Unite, I know the, the football player, but I also think of um, who was Keanu Reeves' character when he was a football
1: player. <laughs> okay. Here's where <laughs> I thought this was going. is <laughs> The answer to your question is Shane Falco. Which no,
0: that was nah, – no, I thought it was no, – well, Who was it, he in Point Break?
1: Johnny Utah. That's, That's where you like. were going. <laughs> that was pretty good. Great movie. Yes, Point Break. Was. <laughs> I will not speak to the greatness of the replacements.
0: No, I mean Point Break. Point yeah. Break was great. That's why I thought the name. I yes,
1: I'm glad we could clear that up. For Young now. Keanu Reeves
0: is so different than old Keanu Reeves. Very much so. It's crazy to think they're the same Keanu Reeves. Maybe they're not.
1: Yeah, old Keanu Reeves. It's going to be in a SpongeBob movie.
0: I can't wait. This would be great. I can't. That's so funny. But then again, David Hasselhoff was in the other one movie. So the Hoff.
1: Okay. I guess they're both equally respected. Yeah. Not in Germany. No comment, but... <laughs> what happened... Hasselhoff is Germany? like the biggest celebrity in the history of oh. ever in Germany. They love him there.
0: Probably. <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> that's, that's an actual I, thing. I had a
0: funny thought in my head, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to not share. We'll keep it there. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so... Do you have any more to add about being a Ravens fan? <laughs> No, not really.
0: Who's your favorite? Oh, you already said Ed Reed. Was Ed
1: right. Reed is my favorite. For those who don't know, give give people a one-minute synopsis about Ed Reed. Um, he
2: once picked up an intercepted ball in the end zone and then ran it back for a touchdown. and did that a handful of times. He also was <laughs> Sorry, known... So he didn't once do it. <laughs> he was also known to lateral the ball to his teammates after intercepting the ball, That's... which... It's just super fun <laughs> to watch live It's dangerous it really exciting. <laughs> and it just makes everything really entertaining. Um, he was one of We're the most incredible good. ball hawks to ever play the game. Hall of Famer, for sure. Mm-hmm. He's in there. Yeah. Um, His bust is fantastic. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. Um, he is a very entertaining person to watch, and having him and Ray Lewis own a defense yep. was pretty incredible. But, yeah, Ed Reed's highlights – Include a lot of pick sixes and a lot of hard hits yep. at a time when the NFL didn't have as many regulations around hard yeah. hits. So, very very true. But he's an incredible player. And
1: his college highlight is even more exciting. Who do you play for in college? Miami. The U. Uh, um,
0: how do you feel about the whole like controversy behind Ray Lewis?
2: Everyone's got a dark past. Everyone has mistakes that they've made. And I think that's a testament to the world we live in and people of faith is forgiveness is a thing. Mm. And I feel the same way. Like, I don't know the full story. I've never looked into it. I know it's not the best of outcomes. Agree. Um, and a lot of people have that in today's NFL a week ago. <laughs> we have some pretty, like not necessarily the same situations, but yeah. there are always dark situations that occur. Do I know exactly what happened? No. If I knew exactly what happened, would I have some more thoughts and opinions? Probably.
1: For those who don't know, a rough sketch over a Super Bowl weekend some 10, 15 years ago. There was a attack slash murder outside of a club that Ray Lewis happened to be in the vicinity of. And he may or may not witnessed some of the events. And when questioned about some of the events, he may or may not have told the complete truth. And so... The words Ray Lewis and murder were connected when Ray Lewis had no part in the actual violent act. All that kind of happened was maybe an, an obstruction of justice. Didn't
0: he destroy um, like a cell phone too regarding I, it? I gave well, you all the like details I have. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that's as far into it as I was going to go. So, yeah, that's, that is what we were talking about.
2: There's been a lot of players that have controversies in the NFL. Ray Rice is one of those people that I like.
0: Another Ravens.
2: Yeah. Another Ravens player. Um he had a controversy of a video where he hit his girlfriend, fiance, wife, significant yeah. other, um, in an elevator after a night out, and because of that he's been scorned and essentially banned from the NFL yeah. unofficially.
0: They blackballed.
2: Um but I think it's it was a little hard to watch that, especially when there was a lot of evidence that he went to marriage counseling. He was a man of faith. He did the right work with his now 100%. wife to overcome those challenges yep. and make sure that they did everything right. And as someone that really changed the landscape for the bullying culture that was in a lot of Baltimore, just school systems outside of that, Baltimore doesn't isn't necessarily the greatest place to live in terms of safety. Um, and so I think he was a really strong voice for that and after that experience, That one thing kind of posterized him and never allowed him to come back and be an influence for others in the same regard. He still is an influential character in a lot of those communities, but he just doesn't have the platform that he had before that, Yeah, which is kind
1: of sad to me. But I do think he is an incredible example of this is how you operate after something like this happens, after you make a major mistake that comes with a ton of scrutiny where you are clearly in the wrong and a life change needs to happen, he did everything in his power to make sure that that action would never happen again in his life and that he would help other people avoid similar situations.
0: It's a very radical change that he did and it was great.
1: cost him his career, but it gave him his life back and probably gave life to a lot of other people who could be influenced by him moving forward. Mm. So that's... It's Absolutely. A, it's a good story wrapped in the bad story. Yeah. But there's also like the thing
0: where you can, where a lot of people separate the athlete and the field, pretty, much. or like the field and off the field. Like, you can like someone for how they play, but they could be like a terrible person. You can hate the person for who they are. There, that's kind of like a thing that I've noticed is like, yeah, I really like this one person, but I know they're not a great person. But, but on the field they're so great.
2: There's a human element, and there's the athletic ability, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I think a lot of those, a lot of times, especially now, with the stature that a lot of athletes have, those two things, it's sometimes hard to separate. For me, I was never a Kobe fan. I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, (laughs) so Lakers are not a team that I ever was a huge, loved or anything. Um, Instead, our superstar is quite the opposite of Kobe. Oh, man. Um, Very similar work ethic, but... I, He was the fundamental. He was the person that played team basketball. And in my mind, that was a human characteristic that was transferable to athletics. Um, he built a community. He built a family. And he valued that over everything. And that represented and showed on the court in how he took other players under his wings. Yep. Whereas Kobe is probably one of the greatest individual players to ever play the game. And you better step up to my level or get the heck out of the yeah, way. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So I think that's, in in today's society, you have such a platform where these athletes are elevated to such a high standard and one flaw from a human level can ruin their occupational career, which I think is, you can make an argument that's unfair, but I feel like everyone has that in whatever your work environment is. You have that line that can't be crossed to that threshold.
1: So. So how did you become a Spurs fan? (laughs) Two for two.
2: There it is. Um, I grew up in Texas. Uh, I was born in Dallas, raised in Austin, and Austin is the center of the triangle. You have Houston, San Antonio, and then Dallas up north. Mm. So you are right in the middle of all the main sports places, and there is not a sports team, professional sports team in Austin. In one of the major leagues. <laughs> there are now professional sports teams. Um, there will actually be a professional sports team in Austin in 2020. Austin FC in the MLS. Oh, that's right. Um, and not a fan of any Dallas teams. Uh, Good. And honestly, didn't really appreciate the Rockets at the time when I was growing up. And I loved Spurs just... basketball.
1: Oh, man. They had just won two championships at the same time that you were probably getting into football. I mean, I guess it depends when you start watching basketball. Oh, five oh six was when I really...
2: Oh, geez. No yeah. <laughs> that was when I really kind of like dove into the pond. I was like, T-Mac. Yeah. Um, right know, when we were playing you know, the, the st- Pistons in the finals. Yeah. Was when I really jumped in and started following them pretty regularly. Was super stoked on them. Yeah, that was a very fun series. I had it was a
1: lot of good memories of that. That was the year before. What year was that? Was that five hundred six? I think it was five hundred six. Because the year before <laughs> is when the Pistons swept us in the finals.
2: Yeah, because that was when they had the Wallace brothers. The brothers? No,
1: just no. Like, sorry, but they both our last name Wallace, Rashid and Ben. Ben yeah. Wallace is one of my five favorite players ever. He is a. Beast. I love Ben Wallace. You had Billups, John T. Billups, Richard Hamilton,
2: Tishon Prince. Prince.
1: Yeah, crazy lineup. Yeah, a ton of really good players, none of whom was a superstar. Right. Similar to the Spurs, Duncan is a superstar in being an all-time great, but not in the like personality, all yes. the attention. Um, Very which, much so. Which is kind of like kind of like a Trout thing, where it's like, this is clearly, I mean, in the case of Trout, for sure the best player in the game. Duncan, for sure one of the two, three, four best players in the game, Yeah. depending who you are and where your things stand, um, and just does not draw any attention to themselves, is just there to be the best that they can be, the there to make their teammates the best they can be, and do everything they can to win, and hope no one talks to them about it <laughs> <laughs> just lets them just go home and do, come back and do the same thing again the next day um it's part of why i hated the spurs so much i hated the spurs oh man it, the, like the i i hated the spurs kind of like how i hated the yankees in that they were just so good and it was so annoying so i was just gonna hate them and duncan was the face of it it's like Show some personality. Do something (laughs) that that entertains me. You don't do anything that entertains me. And even though I like one of my favorite shots when I'm playing basketball is (laughs) the big shot (laughs) from Wing. Because it's unstoppable. You can't do anything about it. Um, Absolutely. I'm not a big fan of Popovich. He's only the, like... Third best Please. coach of all time, maybe. Oh well. <laughs> Seriously, why are you not a fan of Popovich? Even his sideline things are I entertaining, just, even though he's just like him. standoffish and whatever. They're super funny. Do you like
2: Bill
0: Belichick? I mean, I respect I respect both of them for what they bring to the sport and to coaching because they're both great coaches. It's just that I just don't like either one really. But what? But then again, what also, is it about Popovich I, that you don't like? I don't do know. They just like. give me a feeling of non-liking them. Like, I just dislike them. Same with, like, Jason Garrett. Actually, no, I just dislike the Cowboys in general because of the Cowboys. But, like... I can agree with that. But, like, I don't know. They just give off this thing. And plus, like, how every other year it was pretty much Spurs-Lakers and they would always, like, have good games and, like, they would always compete. So, like, I always saw him as, like, the evil guy. Because I'm like, oh, he's the guy who's in charge of them. So, it's
1: his fault. So, that's why you don't like him. Yeah. That's why I don't like him. But rivalry. <laughs> but he's one of the best coaches of all time.
0: Nah, I'm not going to take it out away from him, but I just don't like him. Okay. And he wouldn't <laughs> trade Kawhi to Lakers. We don't have to talk about him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can just skip that. So on record, Ethan doesn't like Kawhi Leonard. Mm. Moving on. Oh but. wow. Um. Yeah, I guess we don't really need to do any more basketball. Um. So speaking <laughs> of this Austin FC team, you are a big soccer fan. I am. Yes. How did that start? Uh, I grew up playing the sport.
2: Um, pretty much one of my first memories was playing soccer. Um, as soon as I could walk, I started kicking a ball and played it for most of my life. And then I a few years back, uh, got involved watching the U.S. national team I've always watched the U S national team a lot and that's probably the team that I have the most loyalty to out of any of
1: the sports teams that you
2: watch probably. Yeah. Wow. Um, I did not know that. I love our national team, both men and women. Uh, one is exciting me a little bit more (laughs) than the other is right now. One plays way better. Significantly. better.
0: I'm a big fan of the, the women's team.
2: They are phenomenal. And there's a lot of quality athletes on that team. Um, it's a little bit hard though, being a fan of a national team because they don't play a, they're all a part of individual clubs. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I am very much someone that has to have some type of like physical connection to a sports team. Mm-hmm. Texas grew up there. Yeah. Rock throw away from San Antonio families in Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I live in America. <laughs> therefore <laughs> support the United States team. Um, I'm very excited for Austin FC to come to the MLS because that is my childhood home. Mm -hmm. And so I will finally have an MLS team that I can really get behind. Um, And I'll be there from the beginning, the inception of that team. Uh, However, they are going to be looked down upon by most of the league for the way they got to Austin. (laughs) But there is... Is it not just an expansion or... It's complicated. Uh, The MLS is not a straightforward league... It's kind of complicated, but essentially there was the Columbus Crew, yeah, which was one of the founding teams yeah. of the MLS, and the owner, Anthony Precourt, who not a lot of people are a huge fan of, uh, decided that he wanted to move the Columbus Crew to Austin.
1: Okay.
2: Um, the behind-the-scenes grumbling of why he wanted to do that is a lot of just like he personally wanted to go live in Austin, so he just wanted to move <laughs> his team there. That's I mean, the. the You're Might as well. Yeah. So the issue is, Columbus Crew had not been doing great for a while, and you have probably one of the most passionate fan bases in Columbus. Uh, really. Crew fans are some of the most loyal that there are. Um, right. And actually, like when we play some of the most like prolific U.S. games that have occurred, have happened in Columbus, in front of that fan base, um, at that stadium. So. There's a big soccer culture in that city, yeah. uh, and so for them to just like uproot that was kind of a shock, and you might have seen like stickers around the MLS fan base of Save the Crew, things like that, um, but essentially they have moved. So Austin FC came to Austin as a basically an original team, even though they're a new team, yeah. and then they have made Columbus Crew an expansion team. So there's another... Essentially, the Columbus crew are staying there, but their title in the league is now they are a, an expansion team, and Austin FC is like a founding team. It's really complicated and political, and it's just not something. But moral of the story is, because of the owner, a lot of the teams are on the league and so fan base. So there's bases. still going to be a team in Columbus. Yes. They just had to get new owners and new. Exactly. To do all that. So Interesting. it's a complicated mess. And because of that, Austin FC is going to have a little bit of a bad rap to start yeah. their career and tenure. But fan base, we're still excited.
0: When does that so, start? Uh, 2020. Oh, wow. So Right around the corner.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. It's not for another. Is it 21 or 22? It is not. Twenty. Sorry, I misspoke. I think it's twenty-one. <laughs> These There's, decades
1: go by fast, man.
2: <laughs> I know I'm not as old as you, but
0: um,
1: we're closer to twenty-fifty than the year I was born.
0: Me too. No. <laughs> Out.
2: But anyway. been a fan of U.S. soccer for a long time. Um, I've been to many U.S. men's matches and U.S. women's matches. We actually have our Olympic qualifying coming up here in February. End of January, beginning of February, the women will be qualifying or start their campaign to qualify for the Olympics, okay. which will be very interesting to watch. Um, we actually are going to have the semifinal and final here in Carson at what used to be StubHub. Now it's. Of the qualifiers?
1: So you do they qualify
2: quali- for the Olympics?
1: Does it work the same as how the men do it? Like where. At different regions of fifa and you qualify from the region so that's, that's world a- cup so the olympics, oh, olympics. Is a little bit different. you're right you're right you're yeah right.
2: so olympics is different you also have age requirements for the olympic team yeah it's 23 I, know. <clears throat> I think so but you're allowed to have three or four players that are above 23 as like but veterans those
1: still tend to not be
2: the all-stars um yeah, usually right well with the u.s
1: <laughs> we
2: need that. we have quite the plethora of talent <laughs> so three? um there's controversy that surrounds all of that right now of who's going to get I in. just mean like Ronaldo and Messi don't normally play in the Olympics. Typically not. Yeah. But technically they they could. I yeah. don't know if it's the same requirements for men and women. I honestly have to look that up. Okay. It might Fine. be different. Um, but uh, qualifying for that, for our region, we do two groups of, I think it's four teams. Okay. Uh, you do a round robin and then out of that. So the region being like. Can, like Canada, North US America Canada. and Central America. Okay. Um, same brackets as FIFA or like same grouping as FIFA. Yeah. Um, there's just not as much talent pool when it comes to the women's side of things. Yeah. Cause a lot of countries don't finance or support a women's team mm-hmm. or a women's league for that matter. So you have about eight teams that will be in those two groups. And then the top two teams, it's will, only the top two out of, yeah, we'll go to semifinals and then final. The group oh, stage. Oh, the top two from the yeah um, group stage will be in Houston at BBVA Compass Stadium, the home of the Dynamo and the Dash for NWSL. Um, and then the f- semifinal and final will be here in Carson at the Galaxy Stadium.
1: you gonna go. Seem nearly... I will be there. That doesn't seem nearly big enough to have something like that. With how much following I feel like the women have, that's. I feel like more people have really gone behind the women in the last two years than or at least mm-hmm. the last the year. They have, however, um, this
2: is where there's a lot of, as a fan, there's a lot of painful things going behind the scenes. So last year, or earlier this year, um, January, February, March, maybe, uh, the U.S. women opened up a lawsuit against u.s soccer federation uh in regards to equal pay yeah um which has been a very painstaking process especially as we watch our men's team that has paid significantly more uh to essentially be horrible. horrible um and drive me insane uh they have not played well and our women have exceeded all expectations and have quite literally run the world in terms of the footballing gamut. Um
0: they still will probably
2: we'll see. There have been some changes that the after this past World Cup, there are some teams that are definitely rising up to challenge that mantle. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the coaching staff, so we got a new head coach for a women's team, also a new medical director.
1: I don't mm-hmm. remember why
2: a new head coach. Uh the women's head coach stepped down. Oh. Um in my opinion, it was a good thing. Just she, as
1: part of all of this
2: In my talk, opinion, or... she wasn't a great coach. Okay, uh, She literally had a team of all-stars, so it's, it's kind of hard to lose with <laughs> yeah. that team of all-stars. Um, so I didn't think she was a great coach. The coach that we have now uh, has extremely good relations with players. He's renowned for his ability to coach and get to know his players and his team tactics in terms of watching film and understanding how to play all of his players in different positions who is that where's he from i'm gonna botch the name here <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of me not getting in trouble i'm gonna look this up real quick.
1: where's your soccer knowledge you take?
0: uh i really like the u.s women's team uh, men's team, it's hard to follow because we're never really in anything, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to get news about. But I'm a big fan of the women's team. Um, Alex Morgan is one of my favorite athletes. She's awesome. She's beautiful. And she's about to have a baby, which I'm really excited about.
2: That's true. Uh, Vlatko Andonovski. He was formerly with <laughs> <laughs> Reign FC. That's who it is. Rain. Yeah, it is one. It is a team in it's the Chicago NWSL. Right? Uh, no. No. I'm not sure. I don't know. This is where my knowledge is a little bit lacking. Tacoma, Washington. Way more than we have. Oh, oh
1: Tacoma.
0: I was yeah, actually I was thinking Washington.
2: Yeah. So Rain,
0: Washington. That makes sense to me.
2: I feel like it's not the it's R-E-I. It's R E I G N. Like all oh, like, like they like rain. rain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um.
0: So they're queens. Got it.
2: But yeah it's the main storyline is that they basically went into a World Cup handled a world cup yeah um, and all the the entire time they're in a lawsuit basically saying hey pay us more yeah um, because we're underpaid um, and that's something that it's I believe that they deserve to be paid more I think they're doing incredible things and it's an entire market that Has not been touched in terms of NWSL. Uh, You have women's soccer games in Portland that have consistently averaged thirty thousand, thirty-five thousand plus fans at their games, and it is
1: an environment to be in. I I was aware that Portland loved like the Timbers, their fan base. I feel like they're up there, and Seattle's is up there too.
2: The cool thing about Portland is there the Timbers and also um. Oh man, that's (laughs) bad. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I have a lot of people that are going to kill me when they hear me talking about this. You have, um, you have a lot of others. Uh, thorns. Thorns, thank you. Um, oh, I knew that. Um, they, The cool part about that is the fan base supports both teams equally. That's great. So you have the same attendance going to a Timbers game that
1: you do at a Thorns game. Um, regardless of the day of the week, regardless of what 's happening, does that have to do just with the fan base or does it have to do with how the organizations are run and marketed and do that like how How does that situation come about where that 's not a common thing? How culture. do you create that culture it so 's like Portland culture I think so, or like the culture that the ownership has that 's created a
2: great, there are definitely people that would probably know a little bit better than me, but I think it 's a testament to.
1: The culture that is... Jake's having a mild crisis right I now. I am <laughs> smooshed in a
0: corner, and I'm freaking out. Like I, You've I've, been
1: there for over an hour. I know, and it you sucks. just now started? No,
0: I, it just it hurt me just now. Like I, there's we so much around me. We slowly
1: move away and easier.
0: I've hit my elbow on the wall like seven times, and just, it's starting to annoy me that I'm just in a corner. Nobody puts Jake in a corner. <laughs>
1: Accept yourself. <laughs> you were saying. Sports. Culture. Portland but, soccer yeah. culture.
2: I think that's at the heart of any sports team. Like, culture is important, but that's also crafted by the culture of the city, the location, all of those types of things. And I think that's something that Portland has done really well is, as a city, it's respectful of all walks of life. Um, regardless of your preference in faith, in orientation, in gender, whatever it might be, they are accepting of everything, and I think that creates a club that can thrive off of that. So there is a giant audience there that respects each other and is excited about whoever is on the field
1: in front of them. So as, as we think about the overall equal pay situation, how much of a role do you think that plays? I think that's crucial. One is when it
2: comes to any sports team, it's a, a business, if you will. Yeah. And obviously in a business, it is all about money. So what is the profit that you're bringing in and things of that nature? And I think when it comes from, if we're looking at the global sport, uh, you need people to sponsor. You need sponsorships, especially with sports teams. I mean, the n b a now has like multiple sponsors in their jerseys, uh but you need that sponsorship piece, yeah, and that requires a market for them to be excited in and with the after this women's world cup uh the world the women's World Cup had some of the highest ratings at one point, I believe they even superseded some of the ratings of the men's World Cup mm-hmm. um, it was incredible i don't have those numbers that quote off the top of my head, but it got to the point where um Anheuser busch is now. Like one of the sole sponsors for NWSL, but was also for the World Cup. And they even did a marketing campaign just recently basically saying, hey, we're here. Who's joining us? Yeah.
1: We're not leaving. So like fully, enter- fully entering into this conversation now. Um, do you – is the goal – because you've said more a couple of times. Is the goal – the goal is equal for them to be getting paid the exact same? Or where – so I guess that's over – heading – that's like heading question. Yeah. And then how – if yes, how do we get there? What needs to happen to get there? Why should that be the case? What things need to get brought into – yes or no? Yeah. What What has to be accounted for in order to make that argument one way or the other? I'll say right off the bat, I'm the
2: worst with finances, so – that second part of the question, no idea. Uh, okay. But
1: I will say I, I, have, I have my thoughts on it, but absolutely. I'd rather hear how you start it.
2: Um, there we can go. I think in any business or in any sports area, uh, you are judged by your performance, mm-hmm. and your pay scale is typically based on your performance and your qualification.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I would think that in our current situation, uh, we have a men's team that did not qualify for the last World Cup. And quite frankly, I don't believe that we will qualify for the next World Cup because we look like garbage. Um, (laughs) You don't lose to Canada. Um, (laughs) True. And because of that, like we have a women's team that is rolling, um, even with some of our biggest names uh, being gone for medical reasons, uh, starting families, things like that. uh, We have so much depth and creativity that we can literally pull from around the globe in other leagues that are playing there in our own league. That honestly, like if they're performing better, we have four stars on a women's jersey, you have zero stars on a men's jersey.
1: Why wouldn't you pay that employee more? For, for those that? that don't know, a star represents the number of times they've won the World Cup. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't know, but I inferred that because I'm a smart guy. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I knew that. I don't believe you.
0: <laughs> so for track, the track shirts we would have for um, whenever you won league, you would have like a patch for a league like, on the shoulder, and then there would be a boot underneath. Yeah. So it would be like the number, number of times that like we've won pretty much. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we, I, I did know that.
1: Good job.
2: But I would say at the end of the day, whoever is whatever employee, if you want to look at it through that lens or whatever athlete, however you want to phrase it, if someone is doing significantly better than the other person, you are going to incentivize them. You are going to pay them more. Yeah. So my thing is in our society, and our culture today, I think there's already in it, There is already a significant pay gap between men and women, regardless of what industry you're in. So at the current moment, I think the realistic thing is that equal pay is the one thing that we might achieve. In my opinion, I think we should pay whoever is doing
1: better more. Yeah so that's where for me other things come into play i definitely think that that i think there should be bonuses attached to performance that are equal and i don't know if that exists and i'm pretty sure that was a big part of the conversation so it might exist now but i don't think it existed before mm-hmm. where it's like if you get a win you get this bonus if you advance to the elimination round you get a bonus if you you know however there's like a $50,000 difference in the the end purse for the champions between women's and men's World Cup. Yeah, It's a significant – there's a couple zeros. So something like that, I do – I agree completely. Like performance should dictate a lot of those things. So for a women's team who wins the World Cup versus a men's team who doesn't, the women should be paid significantly in that respect considered to the men. Um, But the other part of business is revenue. And just because you win games doesn't mean – you have revenue. Uh, you can look at, I mean, there have been plenty of sports franchises throughout the ages who have won who are in markets that just don't produce revenue. The Marlins won the World Series twice in the span of five years and both times, shortly thereafter, had to gut their whole team because they don't have any money. Right. So, <coughs> so there's a sense of even even with high achievement, you still need revenue to come in whatever that looks like. And so, a lot of that has to do with ratings. A lot of that has to do with the marketing and and what is being purchased in terms of memorabilia and whatever. And I think that is another entire conversation too, because how are these teams marketed? Obviously the NBA is marketed way more than the WNBA. The MLS is marketed way more than the NWLS. Mm WSL. So, but like they have more money to do that. Like there's, where is the line between how much money is getting put in because it's popular versus it's popular because of the money that's getting put in? Um, that's a whole big conversation. For the ratings, one of the arguments that came up, like you talked about, that the women's final was rated even higher than the men's final. I think we only have access to our local, like our national ratings. Mm-hmm. The women's, our women's team was in the final. The men's final was between France and Croatia. Yep. So the our national ratings for that are going to be lower compared to if the men are in it because if the men had gone that far, the ratings definitely would be higher just because obviously that makes sense in the same way that the NBA Finals, that is Lakers versus Celtics, is going to rate much higher yep. than the NBA Finals between Orlando and Portland right? for obvious reasons. Um, again, I don't think that should be a like, well – this is, I mean, I, but I think that is a major factor because the amount of people watching are what brings in money and money then gets redistributed. Now, does does FIFA do a good job of redistributing money? <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> does, does United States soccer do a good job of redistributing <laughs> money? Probably not. Right. So there are a lot of – I don't think it's as easy as they're doing the same thing, they yeah. should get paid the same amount, and – you should get paid based on performance because that's not the reality of the situation. Should United States soccer put in more money to market the women as much as they would the men, if not more, and that would produce more yeah. interest, which would then produce more revenue? You have to put money in in order to get more money back? Right. That, I do believe, exists. So, so right now, maybe... Maybe the women aren't getting paid the same amount in terms of what's coming in through marketing and that kind of stuff because right now it's not the same. But the money that does come in from the men should – I very much believe should be reallocated into the the bottom-up process of what are we doing to promote young girls playing soccer in this country and bringing them up yeah. and creating that so we create more of a fan base. That then creates a revenue that the women then get to – that's what we should be doing,
0: <laughs>
2: and I agree with you on most of that. Yeah. I could say a couple things that would just – the U.S. Soccer Federation is just not a well-run organization, Yeah. Um. and there's – I'm a part of a group of supporters called the American Outlaws, and we – if you ever watch a U.S. game, um, there's usually a large contingent of us behind one of the goals with drums and usually singing for most of the match. Oh, heck yeah. Um, we like to have a good time. So, uh, we are, our national organization is actually attempting to have conversations with U.S. soccer on the frustrations of the fans based on performance, based on these allegations, things like that. Uh, that as a fan base, it's very trying to follow your team when. There's a lot of talent on the field and you want to watch the talent, but the coaching staff might not be the most optimal or, uh, the ticket prices might be ridiculously high for the performance that you're watching, um, or any of those number of things. But there's, if you are not a soccer fan, you're listening to this. I highly recommend looking into it. Super fun sport, super fun culture to be a part of, but also can be very frustrating when you really get to know kind of
1: what's happening in the background and just the nature of some of these bigger operations. That exists. On every level though. There's the way that the way that money gets thrown around, the way that certain people are marketed and others aren't, the way certain people are lifted up and others aren't. That exists in every sport. You could have that across yeah. the board. So in terms of being I mean for me it's really hard for me to watch a lot of soccer. Makes sense. Because like I just there isn't it's hard for me to watch a lot of American soccer. And not necessarily the women. I'm going to admit that I am really bad at watching female sports. That's just – like I'll watch – I watch women's tennis. I love watching women's tennis. We can have that conversation. That's a big part of the equal pay (laughs) conversation too. Um, But for me, there is an element of I am used to a game that moves faster, that has – a higher level of physicality. Like that's just the reality of men playing a sport versus women playing a sport. <laughs> um, there are things to be appreciated. I have, I made it a point to watch a couple of WNBA games this year. I didn't watch nearly as much as I wanted to. And I made a comment at one point on Twitter, like, Wow, watching a WNBA game and watching an actual offense get run and the ball moves around the court and good shots are being taken and it's not just iso ball and it's not just fast break all the time. This is actually interesting to watch because it's actual real basketball that I would coach. There's tactics. Yeah, Yeah. as opposed to just go go run down and (laughs) do whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So from that point of view, like, but again, that is the um, traditionalist is not the right word, but that's what came to my head. Of like that's why I can appreciate golf, that's why I can appreciate NASCAR, that because because I'm gonna watch those things because I can watch a W, because I can watch a WNBA game and go, oh this is interesting because this is what is playing out right. as opposed to somebody who needs to watch an NBA game because they're watching guys jack shots up from 30 feet and they're dunking from the free throw line and they're doing. All this <coughs> Right but that's that's the entertainment aspect of basketball is right. the physicality and extreme things as opposed to the entertainment value of the WNBA is this is how you actually play the sport of basketball right but people don't watch that just like watching NASCAR people watch NASCAR because they want to watch stuff crash and blow up and go flying right but if there isn't a crash the entire race that race that race is very entertaining because there's so much strategy that goes in the and jogging and there's and all that. Mm-hmm. there's so much that if you aren't a nuanced observer of the sport you're right. not going to understand and it's not going to be entertaining same thing with golf golf if you just turn golf on it looks very repetitive and very slow and very boring yes agreed that's <laughs> and I get that so like I am somebody who can easily take a 2 hour nap through golf and then wake up and be happy to watch again but like I understand that, yeah. But I can also sit and I can watch golf for six hours and be riveted because the there's nuances. also yeah, the strategy. Yeah. So so there's this aspect of coming at sports from that angle. It's really. So I mean, would you say that that exists within the women's soccer realm Absolutely. too? That there's a skill level that is involved and a tactical level that is involved compared to the men tend to dominate on a ability level. Absolutely. There is a different level of creativity in the women's game.
2: There's honestly a different level of physicality in the women's game. A women's game can be more rough in oh, yeah. terms of some men of the things. Men complain all the time. I feel yeah.
1: like I never watch women complain, and all I do is watch men complain.
2: The, there's still a good amount of complaining, but um, no. there's. I think the word that I was going to use specifically for all the things you are describing is finesse sports. Sports that require finesse over power. Are the sports that really have intrigued me my entire life and mm-hmm. the things that like i've always attempted to participate in because i prefer sports that require finesse um yeah. soccer it, you can be brute in soccer it just it does it typically doesn't work out as no. well yeah.
1: um it has its moments but overall yeah
2: basketball some of the greatest players were the ones that had smooth handles yeah um and they can move like water through a lane mm-hmm. uh football you don't really have it Uh,
1: but there's there's a reason there's only like one person ever nicknamed sweetness and everyone else is the fridge and the bus night train
2: but um even like in ultimate there is a level of flow that you have throughout a game and finesse that you have to have in a lot of that sport um and with microphones
1: that, that's the second time that happened today, right? I feel like that happened slightly no, earlier. No, it happens that every. Solid.
0: It happens every time, but this one was the most. Like the leg, like came out and everything too. Like I thought I was just gonna go straight into like your face <laughs> Cause, like I kicked the like I had my foot on here and it slipped and it just.
1: Uh. Maybe that's why Ethan keeps staying a little farther away from the mic because he um, sees you struggle just, <laughs> and he doesn't want the same thing to happen. My here.
0: bad. I've been so claustrophobic today. I don't know why.
1: Maybe it's, a, it's so late. We can switch if you want. So the other. No, that's a lot of work we gotta do. Fair enough. I mean, it's not that much. I can monologue pretty easily about the next thing I was gonna <laughs> say. So, I realized that I had said everything that I had said in order to get to I don't really watch soccer because U.S. men's soccer is not good compared to the rest of the world. I am some I love watching the World Cup. I will watch any World Cup Me too. game yeah. because those are the best players in the world, and that's came. why that's why it's easier to watch the NBA, and NFL, and MLB, because the best players in the world, and the NHL, the best players in the world are playing in the United States. So I am much more invested in that. Right. The best players in the world for soccer are playing in England, in Germany, in Spain, men-wise. Yes. And so that is hard to watch, and the culture of soccer. Like, basketball, we have the NBA, and then we have the Olympics. (laughs) That's about it. There's like... There's a FIBA World Championships too. Yeah. But nobody knows about. Nobody cares. There's not attention drawn to it. It's the NBA. It's an American sport, not a global sport. Kind of the Olympics. Yes, exactly. So, so that aspect it just makes it really hard to watch soccer when our product is so clearly less than the other products. And so I am somebody who's inclined to be like, I'm a German soccer fan. I've been a fan of German soccer since 1998. And like, yeah. Because I love, I've loved how they just have massive, huge defenders that you just can't get the ball guy by. Yeah. And then you have midfield and two strikers who just take off and just one shot. Like our, our time of possession is incredibly low because it was just counter strike for the longest time Right. we had Klosa and Schweinsteiger and Podolski and you just had murder soccer in the back. Yes. Like. We, like, that is what it's we do. It's a very do. different style. Yeah, like, you can play around with the ball you want up there. As soon as we take it, we're going and get it. Like, I, so, for me, there's that. And then, obviously, we get into the different styles around the world because right. Brazil looks different, Spain looks different, whatever. Um, but it's it's better. Yeah. And so, for me, that's why it's hard for me to watch soccer in general because I know that the rest of the world is better at men's soccer. And it's hard for me to watch women's soccer because I'm used to the physicality as opposed to the tactical mm. It's a different level
2: of skill. sport. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I also I, feel like it's easier to watch a men's sport too because they're more televised because of the revenue they bring in, and
1: that's quickly becoming a moot point because things are streamed constantly and we are willing to stream anything at any moment. And I don't have any sports streaming. That's a, there may or you may have not the be ability to do that. You're like you are choosing. You can just, use. Yeah. You're, to say you don't have it just means you have not put the energy in because it exists anywhere. I can, right. wa- I can watch, I can watch you 12 volleyball matches that are played in Tennessee because they're streamed like that exists. I haven't done that. I've watched volleyball that never mind. There's an example yeah. that was actually relatively close <laughs> to the truth, but the technology exists. You haven't because you haven't pursued it. Um, I don't remember what the initial setup there was. You were going to say something else before. I don't remember what I was going yeah.
0: I have a few questions about your soccer love. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite players currently?
2: Um, there is Rose Lavelle, who plays for our Women's National yep. Team, Sweet Baby Rose. Uh, she is phenomenal.
0: Isn't she like 19?
2: No. Who's the, there's a 19-year-old, too, who's, like, super good, too. We right? have a lot of young players. I don't remember them all. Um, you might be thinking of Mal Pugh, but I don't believe she is 19 anymore. Um, but uh, Lavelle Rose is a workhorse and also mm-hmm. a creative engine in the midfield. Also scores in World Cup Finals yeah. um, and rocks at it. I'm very excited and hope that she is on our World cups or our Olympic squad because I will be disappointed if she is not. Um, Should be. Otherwise, uh, honestly, I've never, regardless of sports, like I struggle to find like a specific player that I'm super stoked on. Um, she is one just because I just I'm still on the hype from us winning a World Cup and yeah. Yeah. she was critical in that in a lot of different ways. Um, in terms of other
1: soccer players that I appreciate. Um, Oof. I mean, because, like, how far back do you go with, like, Mia Hamm and... Yeah. ...Michelle? Dang. Um, There's a lot. Yeah. No, um, there, I mean, you can go to Brandi Chastain, and You can yes. go to
2: the... From the women's games specifically, I would say um, Rose LaBelle is one of my favorites. Uh, I... Really appreciate um, Julie Ertz. Acres, Michelle Acres. Yes. Yeah. Just... Um, I from the men's side of the ball. Um, I, I'm not gonna say his name because he's not on my Christian Ballistic's all right, but he's just <laughs> so, he's all our only hope. Uh, yeah. Um, in terms of men's players in the past that I've really appreciated, uh, Clint Dempsey was mm. the deuce. He was great. Um, he brought a different level of passion to the game. You have uh some of I appreciated John O. B. McKell. He played for Chelsea for a long time. Uh he was a central defensive mid, which is kind of the unsung hero of a soccer field sometimes. Uh and it was a position that I played kind of uh throughout my career where you don't really score, but you're still in the mid and you're just the disruptor and you kinda of run around and make defensive plays and make turnovers and just disrupt different passing lanes. It's like a um, safety kind of. Yeah. Um, so really appreciated him. Uh, those are like some of those players that not a lot of people really pay attention to. Frank Lampard is also one of my uh, yeah. favorite players. Super Frank. Um, I had a brief stint as a Chelsea fan and then I realized I have no
1: connection to this team.
2: <laughs> There's no
1: reason I like for Chelsea me. because of Michael Essien. Yes. The as- bull. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't care about Chelsea either. I'm all in on buying. In terms of
2: fun players to watch, and uh, Hazard, phenomenal player can really move throughout the pitch and really knows how to use the ball. Um, there's That's just like I'm kind of stuck on those teams because those are the ones that I have watched for the longest amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a tons of different players that I could speak volumes of that I really appreciate. I just I struggle to talk about individual players.
0: I think my favorite's like Harry Kane. I like Harry Kane.
2: Harry Kane's good. That's He's who i exceptionally normally, well from the penalty spot.
0: So I normally root for um during like World Cup and stuff, I normally root for England because we're just not there. So
2: Yeah, that was a rough World Cup. I struggle to root for other countries, just I have a birth certificate from this one, so,
0: anyway, so do I, but when yeah.
1: you're not there, it's true. It's hard. I was trying to find the rosters. Um, cause so some more of the women. So from the 1999, because the 99 World Cup team was like yes. the most famous one, arguably. And arguably. So that's so I added that in there. Because <laughs> um, some of the players that are playing now have
2: yeah. two to three stars on their shirts that they've won.
1: And it's really funny, this list of... So the players on the 99 team included Brianna Scurry was the name I was going for the goalie. Yes. She's fantastic. Uh-huh. The keeper. Sorry. Oh, Hope Solo, another phenomenal. Oh, um, yeah. Phenomenal keeper. Mild psychopath? No. Okay. Just misunderstood? <laughs> Everyone is. Huh. What is mental health as an athlete? Let's be real here. I I guess that's true. Been through a lot? Can we <laughs> been through a lot yes, publicly? Yes. Been through, been been through, through a, a lot, lot publicly. publicly. Okay. Mm. I rescind my previous two statements and <laughs> center on that. Um, but, like, see, so yeah, I mentioned Brandy Chastain, but I distinctly remember, obviously, Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers, Julie Fowdy. And she's prominent now because she does a lot of the announcing and stuff. Christine Lilly, Joyce Fawcett. Um, but out of all of those, so there's 20 women. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight of them from the University of North Carolina. That, powerhouse. that
2: just kind of goes back. I could talk all day on the inner workings of how people move through ranks. But you don't want me to just go. Into, okay. <laughs> I can go. I mean, is but... it
1: similar to why like UConn basketball is always good? Because you just not necessarily. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because it's like uh, the best There's players obviously go to pay to play systems. Go, oh, Short yeah. answer. All right. That makes sense. You got um, money. You can play the sport. I feel like when I mentioned tennis, you reacted. So I'm curious what your reaction to me mentioning tennis was.
2: Um, I don't follow it. I okay. did play it for a brief period of time. Uh, actually went to state in Texas for tennis. What? Uh, because there was an extra spot and oh, I was on a double like, team, you, so you we played got to go. briefly. <laughs> and, and we're a
1: boss. Okay. And,
2: uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I somehow got, like, snuck into that's tight. a round. Of, I, I quickly lost and did not go anywhere. <laughs>
0: but
1: Still, you played state. can technically a stay. State tennis player. State tennis player. Wow. Was yeah. that all the reaction was then? Was you just like, I don't have any input? <laughs> I don't really have
2: any input in tennis. I think it's an entertaining sport. Yeah. But I don't have much input to
1: it. I just, because recently, so, like, Venus and Serena obviously have made a big push as to getting women. Absolutely. Equal Yes, And for me, for me that's tough at a major, but again, brings back, like, there's multiple things that go into it, but my biggest hang-up, which is maybe a shortcoming, and someone can convince me otherwise, but in every other tennis tournament, everybody plays two out of three. You play two sets out of three. First right. person, first team, player, whoever to win two sets wins. So, the fewest amount of sets you can play is two. The most you can play is three. Right. In majors, so that's every that's every tournament, ATP, WTA, all right. that stuff. Uh-huh. In majors, the men play best out of five. Yes. The fewest they can play is three if they win in straight sets. The most they can play is five. Right. So over the course of an entire tournament, seven rounds. Right. You're playing. That is a possibility of 35 sets. A minimum for the final champion, a minimum of 21, maximum of 35. Jeez. For women, it's still two out of three. So that is a minimum of 14, a maximum of 21 for a champion. So a women's champion, the maximum number of sets she can play, the maximum, is equal to the minimum number of sets a men's player can play. That changes that entire conversation. So, So for me, it's really hard, and I'm pretty sure Wimbledon did it. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if all four of them have done it now, I forget, but have gotten to the point where the champions win the same amount. And I'm willing to say, okay... If we bring these other aspects in, in, then what's getting the ratings? Are the women bringing in more ratings? Because there was a time when they were. If Serena's on TV, she's getting ratings. It doesn't right. matter who she's playing against. Right. So that's going to happen. Uh-huh. But the same can be said of Nadal, Federer, and Nadal and Federer. Djokovic, I think, is a notch below that.
2: Still, yeah.
1: But, but pretty much anybody will watch Federer ratings. or Nadal. Uh-huh. Um, so... But that was kind of a more – I don't want to say that was more recent development. There was a time when there really weren't men's stars. Like right before Federer and Nadal happened, like there was a gap of like Agassi and Sanford's men.
2: the I mean, college weeds. professor would <laughs>
1: probably disagree with you, but I don't know any of that, <laughs> so I won't. So it's just – there have been times when women's tennis was more entertaining to watch, and it felt like more people were watching women's tennis, which yeah. was fair because it really was entertaining to watch. Right. Um, so for me, it's, it's really hard in that respect to be like, yeah, you definitely deserve equal pay when at ma- you're not playing as much. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is hard. But if someone more educated and from the tennis world is, is able to come and be like, well, here's this, this, and this. Because then just, just make the men's two out of three or just make the women's three out of five. Like there's right. something about it that is like why, why at majors is it different? Right. <laughs> like, I, I still don't understand why that's a thing. Um, and I'll do more research and get back to you because I have no idea yeah um, I could have <laughs> been <watching> tennis for <laughs> 20 years my I could have at any point done more research. Um, my
0: knowledge of tennis is we tennis.
1: You're not helpful. Yeah. Um,
0: <coughs> halftime show. <laughs> the only time I've ever played tennis was me tennis. So
1: yeah so for me in that respect it's it's difficult um, but it's a com- there's so many things that go into how much compensation individuals yes. should get for whatever. Obviously if you know the CEOs of companies you're doing the exact same thing. Right. There's no reason that a woman is getting paid what 20 to 30% less for the same job that a man. That's ridiculous. So I'm totally on board with that that things need to happen and change there. Sports is just very difficult. Yes, because it's they're literally playing different sports. Right. And so the way that money comes in and gets redistributed throughout all of the organizations and how that works is a complicated process. Absolutely. I think we're moving in the right direction. I do think yeah. women are still severely underpaid, but getting all the way to equal seems... No quality
2: change ever came overnight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not a sprint it's a marathon. And Absolutely. Eventually it will happen, hopefully. Can I point something extremely random out?
1: Do we feel? Like, I feel like we've covered this conversation Solid. pretty well. Solid. I mean, unless you no, we're, good. More. we're okay.
0: good. Okay. Um, it being now five eleven. Looking outside, it is pitch black, and that room is very terrifying. Pitch black. <laughs> I just can't see anything past the window, and I've looked like four times. And I'm like. There might not be anything other than this room.
1: Would it help you if I told you the door is locked so nobody could break in and mess with us? <laughs>
0: I mean, people have keys to this and could mess with us still, but yeah.
1: <laughs> You're supposed to just say yes so I could say, well, the door isn't locked, so that's not actually true. Well,
0: now I <laughs> the gate. <laughs> Never mind. Wow. Thanks for the false hope.
1: <laughs> you didn't even take the bait. You just – so you defended yourself. You I – your I know when Your instincts bait, were to not trust. I'm not me a fish. Up. I
0: know when bait is thrown.
1: I don't have to come back for that, yeah, but I, I am did. writing it down.
0: Uh, last like two recordings ago, one of um, the women who work at the church put her face up against the glass and scared <laughs> the crap out of me. And no, like they were in the middle of a conversation, so I couldn't say anything. So I was just sitting here like.
1: You're in like the worst. You're the only one that's gonna see anything that yeah. happens out there. <laughs> Very true. Because I'm facing the other window, think and Ethan is blocked off. By <laughs> so there's no Yes, it's I like think that world week, doesn't even exist. I think next week we're gonna put <sighs> E
0: in the corner, and I'll go there. Okay. Just so I can experience. Actually, I don't know, because that means the air will be on me.
1: Actually, it probably. On. I know well, right I mean, now. It will be. Well, it might not be. I think it literally <laughs> just kicked on as he said that. <laughs> it, I don't know what the no. There's a plate or something. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> just for being invaded. Not again. I thought you said abandoned. <laughs> invaded again. That's a when was the Last time clip. we were invaded. Uh, uh, Red stupid. Don nope. one. Red Dawn yeah, two. You're right. <laughs> that stupid. White House <laughs> <question>. down. <laughs> uh, Olympus is falling. I love those, those three ones. movies. Oh, actually, I haven't seen White House Down. I know. Well, are okay. you kidding me? I look. I'm disappointed because that's the Channing Tatum, Jamie Foxx. Absolutely. Right? I feel like phenomenal it, film. Because it came out Academy right around. Right? Okay. <laughs> Because it came out right around the same time as uh, the other
2: one with the not so famous characters, some Freeman guy, I don't know.
1: Morgan Freeman. No, um, but I. We're just gonna move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have to, we have to severely backtrack now. Um, See so your family. You already mentioned the Baltimore connections and stuff, but. We don't know who your family is. Who parents, siblings? Yeah. Um, who are they? What do they do? I have two parents JK.
2: Uh, well, not JK. <laughs>
0: Wait. No, Backfire. Uh, um, that threw me off a little bit.
2: Mr. and Mrs. Search, uh, Ron and Joan. That is my parents. Um, I have two older sisters, uh, Tara and Heather, Tara being my oldest. Um, and then I have a brother-in-law who is married to Tara named Blake and I have three lovely nieces um who are very fun and adorable and I love them very much um and then the rest of my family lives in Baltimore uh aunts uncles cousins don't really need to go through that entire family tree uh the only one that really is like the most important is my grandmother who is a baller She's amazing. Still going strong at? uh, 93, Uh, 94. Let's go. Um, She just had a pacemaker put in. Uh, That was a little bit of a scare, but she is alive and kicking. Um, I have happy hour with my grandmother every time I go home. Um, More of she has happy hour on her own. So uh, (laughs) at 3.30, pretty much every day, like clockwork, cracks beer, pours half of it in glass, drinks it, pours the other half in, finishes it. Heck yeah. And that's my (laughs) grandmother. She is a big fan of the Orioles. And the only reason I pay attention to baseball, because I'm not a fan of that sport, is so I can have semi-conversation with my grandmother about the Orioles. Um, they have a uh, big collection of Cal Ripken paraphernalia yeah. in their basement. This is an like insane montage.
1: amount of noise. We, how, What? I'm this has never scared. happened. There are literally planes flying over all the time. And they are never this was, loud.
0: Sorry about that. That was slightly yeah. concerning. <laughs> that was a lot. I was kind of afraid that plane was going to hit the pyramid or something. Crazy.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> Orioles.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my grandmother's uh, big Orioles fan has always been. Um, otherwise, I was always the person that was kind of really interested in sports. And then I talk sports with all of my cousins
1: throughout the day. You seem to be surrounded by a lot of women. Yes. <laughs> Two older sisters, three nieces. Nice. Um, <laughs> no, I just mean like, what things like that intrigue me. Like having a family setting that is completely different from mine. I like. Yeah. Being inquisitive about. So what? I mean, how much older are they? Um, one is
2: four years older. The other is eight, seven. Okay. So what? I'm a, hor- I'm a horrible younger brother. They will both tell you that. Well, one in Texas literally puts birthdays in a shared calendar. I was going to say, I wasn't going to ask she, you what their birthdays oh, were. Don't you worry. You. I will. Everyone in my family knows. Everyone texts me like a week in advance just to make sure that I'm on top of things. I do remember occasionally, but
1: yeah. I have many more questions about that. About the type of mind you have then and where it's successful and where it is It's uh, always going, always (laughs) thinking, always ruining my life. Because I I really think, though, that that's ruining your life. (laughs) I uh, did not process that phrase as it came out. Um, Because that's like a legitimate thing, though, that people get super offended and hurt when that kind of stuff gets forgotten or not thought about but it's not like you did it on purpose no by no means is there any malintent and so i'm sure they have everyone's memorized and know things frequently and are able to do that but there are like you just don't that's not how your mind works it's and then you have to not a priority
2: points. my birthday is not a priority to me like holidays are not something special so is that
1: so then that that's kind of the underlying question is, is it because you're just ideology about all of that in general is it's not important. Okay. They're, it's not that they're not important. It's that
2: exactly that particular. like I'm going to have a great time and be thankful for you as an individual yeah. year round 365 days a year. Yeah. Like because there's a specific day uh, that's not changing how I feel about you the day before the day after. Yeah. If we can have a drink together. Awesome. Let's do it. But like if it creates a fun occasion, sure. Absolutely. But. Yes. So, I, being raised with both my sisters, I was the youngest child. Yeah. I saw them for a brief period of time, like from elementary school, but just with the extracurriculars, I played sports growing up. So I was always home later than most of them because they didn't, they weren't really athletes per se. Yeah. Um, so I always had soccer practice, basketball, something to go yeah. to after school. So I got home, had dinner, did homework and like kind of interacted with them. But even as a kid, like in Texas growing up, as soon as the sun was up, chores were finished as quickly as possible, and I was out the door yeah. and didn't come back till dinner or it got dark, whichever came first. So, it I just wasn't really around home, and my enjoyment and activities never aligned with theirs. Yeah. So it just never like I it wasn't super close to my siblings growing up because there was such like an age gap as well as our activities never like crossed each other. So with
1: a lack of, I forget the word I was going to use, what did, what did influence them look like being, being outnumbered like that? Um, cause that could go either way that their families with like yeah. all guys and less girls like, so what do you think? Being in that setting, having these two older sisters that were obviously in different stages of their life, too, because that's a big enough gap that significant things are happening at different times. How did that how do you think that influenced how you saw the world, how you interacted with individuals with the opposite sex? Like, what did that look like? Absolutely.
2: Um, Growing up, I. I've done a lot of self-reflection over the past few months, past year, Um, I had a knee injury earlier this year, and uh, downtime breeds contemplation. <laughs> um, so uh, I've done a lot of thinking. I actually started going to therapy, which I highly recommend for anyone that is ever on the fence about talking to a professional about your mental state. It is incredible, super helpful. Um, I never really saw much. I, I just look back at my childhood as a bunch of me running around playing sports and doing activities and things like that. Um, there. It's the best way to phrase this. Uh, I wouldn't say there's necessarily like there's more influence from my sisters now, in my young adult years and adult years that, like, we are getting to know each other a lot better. Yeah. And we are all in very different stages of life. Um, so that's interesting. Now you're at very
1: now I am closer with my sisters probably than I ever well, was before. That So that part makes sense. But saying that you're in very different stages of your life, I'd assume it has a lot to do with them being married with kids and stuff. One of them being married with kids um, and uh, the
2: other having two houses, a very interesting um, like relationship life that I just, for her respect, I won't go into yeah, no, too much no. detail. Um, and But her life, just where she's at – for me personally and the different relationships that I've been in and out of throughout the years, uh, it's it's been one of those things where as we have gotten older, we have kind of restored some of the communication that we didn't have. Um, there was a brief moment where we all kind of separated once we got into our college years. Mm-hmm. Um, we embraced freedom because there was – looking back, I would say I was sheltered in a very protective way okay. uh, from the world and didn't see things – that i see now with the clarity or perspective that i see now um and because of that there's a lot more conversations that happen about our past about our childhood and moving forward amongst my siblings now that i didn't have
1: growing yeah. up because um, to me it makes sense because a four and eight year age gap when you're seven is yeah you're completely different realms right. of everything but nothing overlaps i'm like fourth or fifth grade reform. and my sister's in high school yeah and it just doesn't doesn't comprehend. But it. as you get older, that age gap becomes not as big an issue. So, the maturity, everything about that plateaus, and it make it makes sense that conversation would be easier. Yeah, um, to be able to relate to
2: each other and do that. And now with having nieces in the picture, I have a closer relationship with my older sister than I've ever had before because I want to be involved in my niece's life. I'm yeah. horrible with kids, um, so I am learning how to actually. Talk to a six-year-old. Not that you don't old. like kids. It's no, because you yes. don't have experience, just, so you're bad and you're yeah. working on it. Okay. I can sit in a room with adults <laughs> and have a great conversation. You put me in a room with a four and a six-year-old, and it's a struggle. So.
1: <laughs> I can imagine you're just trying to like a word, ask them about their day, but it's just coming out in adult speech. That has like, happened before. <laughs> Uncle Ethan, you make
2: no sense. Yes, very much so. But I'm getting better at it. My older sister has laughed and assisted me. Both my sisters have helped me kind of learn and understand that, and now I can babysit them, and I'm not a total buffoon.
1: Hey, mm-hmm. good job. So <laughs> we all make gains. Yes. Um. So the therapy thing, I'm interested in. Um. What? What caused it? What started it? Like what? Yeah. What no. caused <laughs> therapy? You're not. For the um. record, you're you are not. A, you're not crazy. No. You don't have to be crazy to see a therapist. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Some people might argue <laughs> yeah. that I'm crazy, but eh, whatever. Um, because that's that's the stigma, right? Is you go yes. see a therapist because there's something insanely wrong with your mind that you have to get worked out and whatever. Yes. That is not not at all the sole purpose of therapy. No. Um, I work for a company that
2: prioritizes it, which I appreciate. I did not know that. Yes. Um, they are very much advocates for. Taking care of yourself and taking care of your well being. Yeah. Um, and because of that I was able to go for not as expensive as sometimes therapy can be. Yeah. Um, and had access to a lot of helplines, things like that. Um, by no means was it anything uh super dramatic. Yeah. I just I've had a lot of experiences over the years that I really started to question, all right, I feel like I'm at the center of a lot of these problems. Mm-hmm. Why are these problems happening? What's going on? And both of my sisters have actually um, been and been around that culture and have been to therapy and things like that. And they were probably the biggest proponents for encouraging me to go and take advantage of this um, and really speaking to the benefits of it. And once I started going and actually talking to someone, the two things that I've really come out learning is uh, focusing on linguistics and also the ability to make choices um, what it looks like to speak correctly in a day and age where we text a lot and use slang and slurs and things like that, actually using the correct verbiage or the correct phrasing to accurately depict
1: what is going on. So that was part of figuring yourself out with the therapist of like the, being the, able to express yourself or understanding how people were expressing themselves both. and interpreting. Okay. Yeah. So being able to actually express how
2: I feel. An example that my therapist always used was if someone says they broke their arm in actual English, they broke their arm means they literally took their arm yeah. and they broke it themselves.
1: <laughs>
2: instead, <laughs> instead instead arm of, was broken. I was playing a sport and I, my arm was broken. Cool. That's a different scenario. Yeah. Um, And when you talk about making choices and actually doing things, we kind of let ourselves off the hook when we don't actually use like our internal voice of telling ourselves how to do things or what we are doing. Um, That's something we tend to skip over or try to condense um, as we talk or as we experience certain things. So I really understood, like, hey, when I wake up in the morning, I'm making a choice to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm making a choice to make breakfast at home or pick it up on the way to work. Um, I'm making a choice to talk with this
1: person a specific way or not engage with them at all. What making that realization? Why did that matter?
2: Um, for me, I felt like there were a lot of influences from my childhood. I won't go into too much detail there, but uh, that I looked at as role models And realized that there was, I don't think manipulation is the right word, but I looked at that, um, the idea of living in such like a, a Christian bubble that I grew up in, Mm -hmm. not in a bad way, but just because of that community, I didn't see things outside of that. And everything had a, certain things were very bad. Certain things were very good. And there was a, a very like dark line drawn and it was Mm -hmm. black and white. Yeah. And because of that, it didn't always allow me to see kind of the shaded gray or really trust my own decision-making mm-hmm. because there wasn't clear and correct language used to describe certain things. Good. Um, and so for me, like in relationships that I've had in interactions that I've had with friends, uh, significant so you know, others, things like that, it was, am I accurately depicting what I want in this situation when I go into work, when I'm choosing what my career path is, am I accurately like describing what I want? Yeah. Or am I just kind of describing it very roughly and not actually giving myself clear direction and heading? And so it helped with, cool, what am I looking for? And that's helped in the recovery process since my knee surgery, being able to say, look, I can't do all these things, but my focus is every day I'm waking up and I want to be healthy. I want to be more healthy. What does that look like? I want to be able to run two miles. I want to be able to run three miles. Yeah. And actually like setting clear and clear goals but how you do that with your internal voice and then actually being confident in saying that out loud and understanding that
1: is super important. The black and white thing is really interesting to me too, because I don't, you saying it out loud now makes total sense and I can look at things and be like, oh. cause that would put a lot of pressure on every single decision. Yeah. Every time you had to make a choice one way or the other, that choice was either the right choice or the wrong choice. Right. And that that is a that that would weigh heavy if every single time you went into something like that you really had to weigh whether this was going to be a good thing and seen as a good thing, or whether it was going to be a bad thing and seen as a bad thing, and you reaping the rewards of having done something good, or suffering the punishment of having done something bad. Right. Every single time. Yeah. And that's not... The world, no. the world doesn't really work that way. No. They're, the gray area is actually very significant based on your intentions, based <laughs> on the situation, based on the other people involved. and There's so many factors. Yeah. And I think that's something that
2: as a... It comes down to kind of the culture that you're raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, culture is such a versatile word that we, it's not always described to the extent that it should be, but every person has the culture of their home, um, culture, their neighborhood, their community, et cetera, that they are raised in. And I think that's something that when you look back at the culture you're raised in, it speaks to the way that you make choices, the way you see the world, uh, the way that you really understand what's going on around you or just yeah. interpret it um, and being able to really take a step back and, understand the culture that you've come from allows you to actually interact with people from other cultures in an effective way. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't choose to look at the world through any other lens, except for the culture
1: that they've been saturated in. That's going to lead into the other larger conversation we're going to have, but on the topic of mental health and therapy too. um, Just something that like, as you were describing it, like, there are times when I just like want to express myself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but there isn't necessarily. I really, if you're listening to this, I'm okay. <laughs> I, don't, I know you're gonna be like Jacob. You can always talk to me about anything. I appreciate that there are a lot of you who exist in my life that I can voice a lot of things too. But the reality is, there is not. There really isn't any one person that i can say exactly what i'm feeling at any given moment hmm. and feel heard without it then having repercussions in multiple ways. Hmm. In the way that like you can talk to a significant other and that is like that is usually a safe place because right. that's that's a big part of that relationship is this is the one person on the entire planet that you can share anything with and it is you two and you two are in it together and it can stay there and it doesn't have to ripple and you have both had the opportunity to do that with each other. And that's that's what a therapist... (laughs) It's quite literally
2: what a therapist is there for. And so that... There's even the argument that a lot of people make. Um, I've had these conversations with some close friends of mine but at what level because I have a large community of friends, um, and a lot of them know a lot of different parts about me. Uh, I tend to be pretty transparent in person. Um, and they, there's even a level of respect for the person across the table from you. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm venting to someone about an experience that I've had in my life, is it their responsibility to take on that burden and help me? Are they a trained Mm -hmm. professional to actually do that? Or should I be paying someone that has the expertise in this field to actually give me the critical? Because I don't know the person as much as some of my best friends are quality individuals. They have their different cultures that they are. They were saturated in growing up. And because of that, they have a different lens and they may provide good advice, but it might not be the perfect advice or the unbiased advice
1: that you might need from a professional. So that's, that's the other having that conversation with a therapist, having a person there that you can literally say anything to and not that, I mean, you go in, you're going to go in there with some kind of goal, right? There are things on your mind, there are things in your heart that you have to share and process. There are a lot of us that are external processors and there are a lot of us that aren't. And it's very helpful to externally process sometimes just talking it out loud allows you to filter through whatever you're thinking about, feeling, and you can figure that out on your own. But a lot of times you don't, and it's not helpful. And it is very helpful to be able to externally process and have somebody who has gone through the schooling and has done all this stuff who can recognize this and say, well, this thought or feeling or whatever might have come from here, and this might have come from here. So if we can – and, like, just being able – Every therapist is not there to solve every major problem you've ever had no. and make your mind work perfectly from now on. Absolutely not. No, That is entirely up to you. <laughs> but if you, I feel like if you go into that situation and you say, here's my life, here's how I'm feeling, here's what I'm thinking, help me move forward. A therapist is there just to help you organize. Yeah. You're literally throwing all
2: your papers out on the floor and he's going, cool, let's put that into that folder let's put that into that folder and now let's make a choice on what
1: folder you want to pick up first. And I just think people just do not understand that. And so the stigma of, like, it's very hard. You came in here and easily said it, but a lot of people who receive therapy are not going to no. be like, oh, I went with, with my therapist. It. My situation also wasn't as dire. Like, yeah. it wasn't
2: pertinent for my well-being to go into therapy. Am I a better person for going into it? I'd like to think so. Yeah. But there are some people that, like, it's, it's necessary for where they're at in life. Yeah. And that's... And you can jump into a larger bed of issues that could be solved by just mental health yeah. being recognized as an open and honest thing that it should be. Um, unfortunately, it's
1: just, yeah, I'll leave that there. I yeah. want jump into that. And I say all this to somebody who, <laughs> I've never talked to a therapist in my life, Yeah. but the idea is very appealing. Absolutely. In a way that even a few years ago it wasn't. Right. Because I, I would have been in that same, like, I'm fine. I'm mm-hmm. mentally put together. I don't, I'm like, no, I have stuff that I want to say and talk about and have, like, that's just, that's a cool thing about being around people is being able to bounce you off of them. Yes. And except people suck sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And when it bounces back, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Um, I for think,
0: me, when it came to therapy and stuff, because I did it for a while, um. I enjoyed it because it's pretty much like you can tell this person anything because they're not necessarily involved in it too. Like they're not, they're a third party. So like you can tell them about your fight with a best friend because and like they're the person you can tell because you don't know one else you're gonna talk about that with because like because then they can go around and bite you in the butt. But this third party, they actually they don't know the other person. They they have like hopefully they have credentials that say that, that they're doing this right and that they're helping you. And it's just it's very useful for a lot of things, when, like stuff you need to talk about where you feel like you can't just talk to anyone about pretty much. It's a good third party.
1: I think it would be really cool if everybody just went once. Absolutely. Just make an appointment once to just go talk. And if nothing comes of it, then nothing comes of it. And there's that. But the benefit of... Possibly uncovering something or helping you sort through something, reorganizing your mind, is so profitable for your mental health, for your physical well-being. 100%. That it's worth going in once to just say, yeah, I went and talked to a therapist and and however that plays out. Did not think we were going to go on that direction. <laughs> I love it. Um We just go to the. We had a plan. We did. <laughs> Diverted slightly. It was, it was quite a good plan too. It was. But... I mean, we it was created spur of the moment. Yeah. No. Um. So do we want? Do you care to talk about high school and stuff? Or I can. Yeah. I, um. I.
2: I've been from all over. That kind of plays a part into just who I am. Yeah. Um. I was born in a suburb of Dallas called Garland, Texas. Uh, and then my father was a director of Christian Education for a church, Bethel, in Dallas, and he got a call to Austin. So in beginning of kindergarten, I moved to Austin, Texas, and I remained in Tex- Austin, Texas till the end of my sophomore year when once again, my father took another call <laughs> to work at the Purple Palace in St. Louis, Missouri otherwise known as the LCMS headquarters. Um, it's a Lutheran, It's the Lutheran Church of Missouri Senate's headquarters, which is in St. Louis, Missouri. It's Good. a giant purple building, so therefore yeah. it's called the Purple Palace. The Purple
0: Palace definitely does not sound uh, like a place of uh, worship.
2: <laughs> it's not a place of worship. It's an office building <laughs> just with a bunch of pastors in it. <laughs> but, anyways... Um, yeah, uh, my dad got a job there, so I, um, halfway through high school, transferred to Lutheran High School of St. Charles County in Missouri.
1: Were you just out of public school before that?
2: I actually was grew up in all private schools. Hmm. Um, both my older sisters had the option to jump into public schools, so they went to public middle school and high school, and then on to college. Uh I was in a private school my entire life, had three other guys that I kind of went through kindergarten through eighth grade with, Mm -hmm. um, still good friends with one of those guys today. Um, and then, um, high school still kept with some of them and then halfway through high school uprooted and transplanted to another state, which I really appreciate Texas, Missouri is a different. I mean, Missouri is a different place on the map. Um, had some good experiences, met some phenomenal individuals in Missouri. Um, still have some really great friends that live there to this day. And then came out to California for college. After that, and have been out here ever since.
1: So, yeah. So it was not. It was not a choice for you. No. Um. My. Without going into. No. Was it? Was it a Very result good. of the, the, so, how things played out with the siblings? Or did it have more to do with who you were? Or? No. Um, I
2: My dad was a church worker. Yeah. So he got a discount for, I believe. I don't really know. I'm assuming that's why. That happens a lot. Yeah, it, it happens if you a lot. For so the church um, it just made sense. And also it happened to be that all of my friends were, I literally went through, so it just like naturally. most of my childhood sports. I played on the same basketball team and soccer yeah. team with these three other guys for six years. Maybe. So we kind of knew, even to this day, my buddy, Stephen in Texas, if him
1: and I get on a basketball court, there's no lapse in yeah. us playing together. So, so there wasn't any lament from your side of like, I should have gone to public school or like, no. I would have made that. You were, Not It all. was a natural. Not until of- I like got into college. Yeah.
2: That's when I kind of saw things I'd missed out on. Yeah. Um, but no uh grew up in lutheran elementary schools middle schools high schools etc um and played every sport possible um through all of those uh grew up playing soccer basketball played flag football for a little bit ran track cross country tennis etc um the gauntlet yeah. <laughs> so it was a fun time uh, sports kind of defined me through school in every aspect um Everyone kind of knew what sports teams I was on. Uh, When I moved to Missouri, that was a harder transition because playing soccer in Texas meant you were on a dirt patch with a ball. Hmm. Uh, When you got to Missouri, they have this thing called grass, um, (laughs) and it was very luscious. And You would kick a ball and then trip over it because it didn't roll 15 feet ahead of you (laughs) like it did on dirt. So It was an adjustment that I didn't make well. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, instead of playing soccer, my senior year of high school, I transitioned to cross country and then, uh, ended up going to state in cross country and setting records at my high school for Hmm. those times. So traded off, worked out well. Humble brag. Um, you got some dirt on your shoulder. I do. Uh, (laughs) it ended up biting me in the butt because I choked at state and I still have that as baggage to this day. Oh man. So, um, Define choking. Anyway. Um, Weather and literally, he being asthmatic. Been... And quite literally oh, not being able to breathe. Oh, so, literal choking. Literal choking. So Dang. it was 32 degrees with a wind chill. There were snow flurries in Jefferson City, Missouri that day. Duh. And about the um, first mile, I started not being able to breathe well. So instead of being top 15, dropped to 86. Yeah. Yeah. Not one of the most joyous days I look back no, on, especially be. after like the season that yeah. I had had, and then I never ran cross country again, so <laughs> <laughs> that was my one year stint.
0: So, did you also run distance or track?
2: I did the Oof. two mile was my event, Oof. but I ran the 800 and mile as well, and occasionally the 400.
0: I, yeah. I ran the 100 and 200 and 4x1, so Oof. I was a tracker,
1: not a fan of those races, they go too fast. Not a fan of anything that involves running, that doesn't mean chasing an object too. <laughs> um, so then you went to college. Went to college. Went to
2: the good old Concordia yeah. in Irvine. Um, met phenomenal group of
1: gentlemen. Go ahead. Why Concordia in Irvine, being from Texas and Missouri? Yes. That is a random.
2: Because both my sisters had gone to Concordia Irvine. Um, Why did they go?
1: To-
0: How? I
2: never really asked the question. Uh, My oldest there, she was at a fair. My dad worked for the Concordia. So the reason that we moved around so much is my dad was the director of Christian education in Dallas. When we moved to Austin, he worked for an organization called Can Do Missions, where he was in charge of managing, placing, and prepping mission fields, um, and then training missionaries to go into those mission fields for um, short-term missions.
1: (laughs) I am very sorry, Jake. It didn't I, hit me, luckily. Oh my god! <laughs> or else I my just, nose would been bleeding. <laughs> I, just, I just hit Jake's mic stand so hard. <laughs> oh man, this is man. why I, I don't even know how to answer that. Never mind. Okay, um,
2: sorry. Can but you? yeah, my my dad was in charge of recruiting missionaries, uh, so I went on a lot of mission trips throughout high school. Um, been to four or five cities in Mexico, right across the Texas border. Um, and then I, when he moved to Missouri, he got moved into LCMS world missions department. And so he was in charge of recruiting missionaries training and sending them out, um, basically on a larger scale than a local ministry organization. So, um, my dad was always, he jumped around a lot, like As a child, he would be gone for, like, a week at a time to go prep a mission field, Mm -hmm. take a team out, or just get to know the local church that was there in Mexico, in Brazil, wherever he might have gone. Um, And so that was the reason, because of church work, that I moved around, but it wasn't directly, like, he's the pastor of the church or the youth director. Um, So... I was going somewhere with Concordia. that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, my sisters had gone there. They, My sister found out, I guess, through a college fair at the high school she was at. My dad, when he was working for Candy Missions, he had worked as a part of Concordia Austin. Okay. So we were very familiar with the Concordia system. When I went to Missouri, my cross-country coach actually had run at Concordia, Nebraska. Wow. Um, and when he described running at Concordia, Nebraska said, you didn't have to count the miles because you could just count the cornfields. And that was pretty much why I didn't apply there. Um, (laughs) like a good reason to me. And both my sisters had gone to Irvine and I was like, cool, sounds good. And applied, got in, rest is history. Um, I wasn't my mom when I graduated held over my head that I wanted to go to a trade school and become a mechanic. And she was like, "Aren't you glad that you graduated from a four-year university?" And I was like, "Well, it still would have been fun to be a mechanic." Um, yeah. But
0: what was your degree in?
2: I have a degree in communication, emphasis in public speaking.
0: Hmm.
2: Hence the reason I talk a lot. <laughs> in case you How could, fun! Uh, tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, went to Concordia, um, studied abroad in multiple different environments, and then um, played ultimate frisbee for all four years that I was there in a very casual way because we weren't as organized as most college teams by any means. Um, and really fell in love with the sport there and had a great community base from Concordia that I still keep in touch with today. Um, that are all really good friends. A lot of them are now pastors in different churches around the country or worship leaders. Um, and they have always been like a really solid influence on me. Um, whether it's directly, Contacting me, or if yeah. it's just lessons I've learned in the past from them. So, yeah, Concordia is great. Um, I did a study abroad trip in college that really kind of opened my eyes to the world, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, we did. It, I did an around the world semester, so I went to ten countries in four months. Uh,
1: well, that's cool.
2: With a backpack and all of my books and thirty other people, or twenty nine other people. Um two professors, eight guys, and like fourteen girls, or something like that, and then a professor and his wife and their two kids at the time, and then two like grad assistants to help out make sure things yeah um that opened my eyes to we took a five classes, but like one of the most influential ones was we did a world religions class where we studied the six major world religions, hmm. but in the countries. Oh, where they really actually good. so that, like
0: that's cool
2: reading the Quran in the Middle East in yeah. um, Turkey in um, Jordan in etc. studying Judaism in Israel wow. um, studying Hinduism in India. Uh, and um, that's incredible. Ta- Taoism. Yeah. That Is that what we study? <laughs> I don't remember. It was a long time. Mm-hmm. This was 2010. So it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that kind of opened my doors to open the door to one. I'd already done mission work outside of the United States and Mexico specifically, but Mm -hmm. studying, exploring the world just through travel and also really getting to know people of other faith communities, um, really changed the way that I understood ministry because I was raised and groomed by it, by my father. Um, because that was something he, he did actively. Yeah. So, um, I actually got to a couple experiences that happened on that trip where um talking with essentially one of my dad's employees, a missionary that he had placed in Turkey. I had a beer with him on top of a roof in Turkey um and talked wow. to him about his ministry and this is someone that like my dad had placed in this country. Yeah. So that was just a cool moment to like Definitely. see what the other end of like my dad's handiwork. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Um One of the most influential things, though, that happened was in Turkey. Yes, um, in Ankara, the capital. No, sorry, that was yeah, Turkey and Ankara. Um, we went to the third largest mosque in the world, um, that's located there. And this is, uh, we were walking through the courtyard, we were gonna basically tour the mosque, we had a tour guide um really cool guy he had like three rug shops throughout um Ankara really nice guy um he was our translator we are walking through the courtyard of this massive mosque and um we ask this older gentleman for directions cuz we we're like hey we're pretty sure this is the way we go but just double check turns out this random person that we asked walking across the courtyard is the head imam for that mosque okay you know just a nobody <laughs> um who he is literally in charge of doing the call to prayer five times a day. He yeah. goes up in the oh, minaret. Wow. He does the call to prayer, et cetera. He turns around to see 30 Americans with this tour guide <laughs> at his mosque, um, proceeds to ask a couple questions, and then basically postpones everything he had planned for that morning and just decides, I'm going to talk with you guys. We proceed to have a full dialogue. We go into the mosque. He takes us into the mosque. He actually answers our questions instead of having our, this was the cool part about this trip was instead of having a normal class of like reading parts of the Quran and having discussion about it, it ended up being one of our professors just posing questions to an Imam about Christianity versus Islam Mm -hmm. and having an actual dialogue in a professional manner, in a very respectful manner in his place of worship about the differences of our faith and why he believes certain things in that extent. Um, That's incredible. Super amazing. I don't remember half of it. I'll be honest. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. But in the moment, it was an incredible experience. Um, The thing that kind of capped it off, I mean, there's a lot of other things that happened there, but um, he actually took three of our students up into a minaret while he did the call to prayer and they got to like be in the minaret with him as he did this for the world to see essentially. Um. And when we were leaving, we had been there for a good three quarters of the day at that point. It's early, mid-afternoon. We get on our bus. He personally hugs every single person as we get back onto our bus. And then he gets on to the bus, and our professor prays for him, and he prays for us. Hmm. Which, that right there is just kind of mind-blowing, because the entire time, the consensus that we got to is that we worship the same God. Mm Mm-hmm which was fascinating because you're yeah. talking to someone who has a different type of faith. But there are many similarities between Christian Christianity and Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put his hand on my professor, and my professor put his hand on us, and they each prayed for each other. And he prayed for our safe travels as we continued our trip. John did the same thing on his ministry and things like that. And it was one of the coolest things to look at a community and say, this is not our community, but we're going to dive into the middle of it and see the world from the perspective that they see the world. And really truly understand, like, what is your belief system? What, how, how does this work? What does this understand like? Um, and that to me really illuminated what my father's passion. My father is one of the most devout Christian men that I know um, to a T. Yeah. Um, and that really exemplified what he has always talked about flexibility. When you're in the ministry field, you are uncomfortable, but you are flexible
1: mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> because you never really know what. Life is going to throw at you. You have to be able to adapt. But most importantly, that kind of got me to a point where I understood you can never just. Mm. Faith is not something easily shifted or changed. It is something that takes time, but also it takes perspective and it takes the ability to understand and truly get to know someone on a personal level. Yeah. And so that really changed. The way that I viewed the rest of my trip, and there are a lot of other experiences that occurred that really spoke from that, but that was a moment that I've kind of kept with me through coming back, finishing school, now being an adult of what does ministry look like for the average Joe walking down the street, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Because you have people that are placed in mission fields and different things, and that's important, but a lot of people forget about what's in their own backyard. And I think that's something that I have always looked at as like an interesting thing of even when I came back, I had this group of guys that were extremely devout. Like I said, they're pastors, they're worship leaders and things like that. But even then, there are times where I felt like, all right, I feel like as a community, we're really strong. Yeah. But when, is, when have any of us stepped outside of our community bubble to actually talk with someone that's in a different social group than us?
1: Yeah. And so is that where things really started to <coughs> shift for you in terms of your view of? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can keep going on this. I, t- <laughs> I don't want to feel like you are just doing all the talking, but like, I mean, well, no. I So I'm curious <coughs> The the easy question that leads up then is what was your belief system like before? Like what, what did you grow up? believing what Mm -hmm. what did your faith look like as a kid and going through high school and then after that so now that you've had this experience and now you've had these last nine years that have clearly shaped and gone not that they've gone a different way but they've definitely reformulated in some way Mm -hmm. um what what did it look like what does it look like what
2: yeah i went to church every day as a kid Mm -hmm. um I was involved in Lutheran churches. I, Christian denomination Lutheran, for those that aren't familiar with that. Um, There's, I went through theology classes in every one of my schoolings since I was in a private Lutheran school. Theology or a type of Bible class was always a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was very well versed in scripture and faith and definitely believed in my faith was at youth gatherings. Um, across the nation multiple times throughout the year was actively in those environments where like was acknowledging my faith. Mm-hmm. When I got to college, I would say there was a brief moment where I was agnostic, where I was like, I know I believe everything, but I'm just kind of annoyed right now and I don't want to deal with this. So it wasn't, I say agnostic because like I knew there was something going on upstairs, but I was just kind of like pushing my faith away because I was annoyed. What?
1: Annoyed with what specifically? Um,
2: Honestly, I don't even know. I think it was just a lack of maturity because <laughs> <laughs> okay. there was something going on. I just don't clearly remember what it was. Yeah. But I remember there was a brief moment where I was just kind of upset about faith. Um, and I think the more after I came back from this trip, I think I kind of gathered what that was. And there's always been a little bit of a frustration with um. The church slash Christian communities have sometimes like annoyed me a little bit okay. um, just because of that, that group of guys that I had. Um, they brought to light something that I think I hadn't really noticed um, is that there was this – they're really involved with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember specifically talking with a counselor about like iron sharpens iron. And like that's super great, like having Christian brothers, Christian sisters that – can strengthen your faith by challenging it. But for me, it was like, cool, I'm
1: getting all this knowledge and all this wealth, and it's great, but it's just sitting here with me. So I've, sh- I've sharpened this iron. This weapon is very valuable, and it's just sitting on my shelf. Yes, exactly.
2: And it was like, all right, well, what am I doing with it? Yeah. Um, and that's where like having this experience where I'm traveling around the world, seeing other cultures, seeing other religions and really getting to know what it looks like to, um, share faith with people, uh, is when I really started to kind of dive into like specific scriptures that I've known my whole life, um, or like Christian concepts, if you will. Um, and this is like over the past few years, I've formulated to make my faith my own, where it's something that I feel confident saying, this is what I truly believe in. Um, And that's just been like slow developments over years where now I'm in a place after all of the experiences I've had this year to be able to say that like childlike faith is the purest of faith. There's it's, I believe in that thing. That's all I need to know. I believe in it. It's truth. Boom, done. As we get older, obviously our minds expand. We understand how to like really interpret things and understand it. And so really getting into the weeds of like theology and how that can comprehend things and what's the why behind I believe in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's where like finding a community where you can dip your toe in to get that information is important. But then are you experiencing the world around you that isn't necessarily in that saturated community or that culture that you were raised in? For me, the culture I was raised in was church. Mm -hmm. Go to church every Sunday, be there, be present. Uh, Wednesday nights, it's youth group Thursday nights. It's Bible study, whatever it might be. And it was saturated with that culture. But then I would go to play my club soccer team and none of those people experience the same culture. And how am I interacting with them? And what does this environment look like? And can I still say the same things that I say in this culture? Or am I looked at weird for saying these things? Um, and that's something where in college really like being able to go out on a Friday night and do certain activities, whereas this group of friends wasn't. And like, how do I still maintain this belief system when I'm doing these activities that these people don't appreciate? Or as like upbringing, going to a party wasn't necessarily like an okay thing to do, Mm -hmm. but how am I still exemplifying my Christian beliefs in these environments?
1: And what does that look like? So I think it's important at this juncture to what is it that you believe? What is, what is the basis of your faith?
2: Yeah. Um, the like creedish statement, I guess I would apply to is that I believe in original sin. So second I was formed as an organism. I was sinful. Um, there's nothing I can do about that. Mm -hmm. Um, my grace is a gift and I've accepted that gift and, there's nothing I can do about it. It's a gift. It's free. It's it's what I can do. Um, because of that, I know that I have a savior. He has saved me. And regardless of what I do in this world, I truly believe that I am saved because of the grace that he has been given. Mm -hmm. Um, now does that mean I should turn around and just like squander that and just go have a good time all the time and not pay attention to it? No. Um, but I also believe that, Ministry is everyone's responsibility, um, and being a testament to what you believe um, when the time
1: is called upon is important. Is that because you said you said ministry is everyone's responsibility? Was that your definition of ministry then, or how would you define ministry?
2: Mm,
1: great question. Like I said, still exploring it. Um, I think because the, the follow-up sense you said was really good. Yeah. Uh, given the opportunity, like go to act. Yes. I think
2: it is everyone's responsibility to minister your beliefs to anyone
1: around you. Now, I don't think, sorry, that's <laughs> what, what is, is a, what does that look like? Cause people are going to hear that and go, Oh, just thrust your beliefs on everyone. No. And that's not what you mean. No, That's not what I mean. I know that's not <laughs> what you mean. So I want to flush that out a little bit. more. Thank you. Um,
2: i when it comes to ministry, um, talking about your faith is always a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I also believe that in terms of someone coming to faith that is only possible by the spirit the if I am a sinful being, so in theory, there's nothing that I can say that could technically bring someone to faith because I am sinful. now, what I can do is put a rock in someone's shoe and make them uncomfortable and rethink perspective that they have of the world or a perspective of their faith. Okay. Um, so for me, ministry is how am I bringing up topics or conversations that challenge people to rethink the viewpoint of that they have, um, or the faith that they subscribe to, or the faith that I have. And what does it look like to challenge someone's belief system, not in a argumentative way, but in a way of, Hey, let's make each other better. Like, do you truly believe what you believe? Yeah. Do I truly believe what I believe? This is the foundation that I have in making people uncomfortable to challenge that belief system.
1: So I, I love that perspective. How do you know, because I struggle with this, how do you know that you're not manipulating them? Or are we manipulating them and we just need to be okay with it? Like, where's, where is the distinction between open dialogue and genuinely trying to communicate well together versus I'm now trying to drive this dialogue to get you to see where I am, but I'm doing it really well.
2: Absolutely. And honestly, like I, I couldn't give you an honest answer. Mm -hmm. Um, typically the conversations that I have about my faith are, they're not usually like, Hey, I think you should come to church with me. Yeah. Um, or, hey, I think you're doing it wrong and this is the right way to do it. Um, I typically avoid those phrases. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I typically try to give a point that they might not have looked at before. Um, it's very rare that I ever invite someone to say, you should accept my faith. Because you can make an argument that that probably is my responsibility. I should say that or offer that to people at some times. I don't know, but that's where it kind of goes back to at the end of the day. Like if the spirit, like if they are going to come to faith, that is the spirit. And for me, I can present things to them and say, Hey, look, here's some things that might be of value to you. Mm-hmm. This is what I believed in. This is the way that I've seen this and come to light. And these are things that I think are valuable. What do you think of this?
1: Cause then, yeah, cause the other, it's really hard to feel like it's seven different things going through my head at once. Um it's not our job to convert people. Yes. But we are given the um command to make disciples of all nations. Yes. So where do you find that distinction? Like what does it mean then in that moment? what does it mean to create a disciple that then does not include making them a believer (laughs) as a response, Yeah, no,
2: that's a great question. Um, to be honest, I don't know the answer. Um, and that's probably one of the things that I often come back to is, Hey, I don't know, but let's explore that. Mm -hmm. Um, because in this process. I'm them, down to
1: explore it right now a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I, I not just, that I have the answers. Well, I don't.
0: Like, to me, uh, it'd probably be like. Kind of like to give them the means to kind of make their own decision in a way. Like, supply them with a Bible. Supply them with. like.
1: I mean, but that's that's on the basis of being pretty manipulative of like. But if they're, o- clear, if they're open to clearly, have the
0: conversation, though, I think it's a little different where something in them is driving them to have the conversation. Right.
2: I think it's also important to note that manipulation has a negative connotation. Yeah. Um, in the study of like persuasion and attitude, you cannot change, like I cannot change your attitude on something. You have to make a choice on your own to change your attitude or your perspective on something. Mm -hmm. I can give you overwhelming evidence on why this may or may not be a thing, but as a, human as an individual, going back to that thing that I learned in therapy, you have the ability to say, I'm making a choice. God gave us free will. It is up to you to make a choice on what is important and what is not. So I think providing evidence to someone in whatever setting it may be, um, whether that is handing them a Bible, whether that is just answering questions for them, I don't say that's manipulative Depending upon the conversation, obviously, like there can be moments where it's like, all right, you're pinned to a corner. Here's a Bible and, yeah. and you and need in, to do
1: this. And in that, it's more <laughs> contextual. I guess I was asking the question to be slightly devil's advocate in terms of like this Absolutely. is how that can be construed. But in the moment, it's not like here's a Bible and you'll believe. Right. It's here's a Bible that has what I believe in it to help you better understand where I'm coming from and maybe help you process where you're at. Or something like that. Absolutely. Just,
0: just because I give it to you doesn't mean you have to read it. That too. True. You can get rid of it on the next place. Like. Yeah. But if you're having this conversation with me, part of me tells me that there's a reason for them to have the conversation. Because like, I believe that we have free will, of course, but I also believe that God kind of like puts these ideas in our heads. And like when these things happen, they happen for a reason. So like that person is coming to me and talking to for a reason. If it's not just to like instantly get them in the, the mood to do it, but it could be just to plant the seed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cause the question then with make disciples is what does it mean to disciple? Do you feel, do you feel like you've ever been discipled or that you have discipled somebody and like what, what do you mean by the word disciple? Uh, that, that's what I was gonna ask you. Yeah. I know what I I know what I think it means. What do you think it is? Um it is I said that and then I don't have it. Clearly, <laughs> but, um, if I were to disciple you, I would be investing my time in you in a way that wasn't just we're gonna hang out every now and then. We're going to have a deep conversation every now and then, and we're going to go about our way. Like that's, mm-hmm. There's a way that Bible study kind of works like that. There's yeah. a way that long-term relationships kind of work like that. But our clear example of discipleship are the disciples. Yes, yeah, Jesus and his disciples. And so if you think about what that was, that wasn't Jesus taking somebody out to the movie and having a meal every now and then or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's literally lived every day of his life for three years with these people Right. and had conversations with them and shared wisdom with them. Right. They asked him questions. He rebuked them. He encouraged them. He gave them things to go do to challenge them. He gave them, he taught them how to do things. He was an example of these things. He was an encourager. He was, you no, know, like to me, that's what true yes. discipleship is, is Jesus' example of, how he interacted with the disciples. Yeah. In our context today, do we have that ability? <laughs> no, I can't travel around with twelve other people every hour of my life for three years and do that. So so while that's the example, yeah. how am I taking that example? Well, I'm attempting to maintain regular yes. contact regular conversation whenever I because I do I'm connected to a lot of people in the youth realm right from different churches, different schools, whatever, based on where I've been, what I've done, etc. Right. And so do I see all of them every week? No, I do not. Do I wish I could? Yes. Um but I do try to in those moments make sure that's an impactful time as often as possible to yes. show that I'm invested in their life, to show that I want them to make the right decision, whatever that means for them in that moment, mm-hmm. like within their life. Um, I'm talking to them about how they view the world, hopefully. I'm talking to them about their faith. I'm asking a lot of questions. Like That is my goal in when I'm interacting with people. Do I think I'm discipling a lot of people? Probably not. Right. I i haven't. There's not a group. There are not individuals that I do see every day a lot right. where that happens frequently. And so I I would say I'm not doing great at that at the moment. Um, but that is like I have that in mind when I am interacting with people. I make it a point that this – this meal, this hangout, this time we have together, that I want to be a positive influence and I want you to examine your life. And clearly, I want this for you. Right. Jesus wanted a certain type of life for the disciples, and that's why he taught them, and that's why he encouraged them, and that's right. why he admonished them. And so, as often as possible, I'm teaching these guys, I'm encouraging yeah. these guys, and I'm admonishing these guys as often as possible. So, for me, that's what discipleship looks like. True discipleship is doing that much more yeah there's a larger time investment because that's what if it's like once a year what what worth is that really yeah um, but that's I think that's the the harder part for me to
2: comprehend there like find application in is work like the realm in the community that we live in Um, for me I don't I think in this day and age like you said uh, it's close to impossible to walk around with 12 people following you at all times and challenge them to do certain things unless you're on a reality TV show. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, ministry is kind of split up into different segments. Like you have different people doing specific tasks to create a collective whole that provide an experience for people. And there are people that help move through those transitions. So, um, do I work with a team that like actively does that? No, not at all. I'm not that cool. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, the perspective that I take is I want to be able to stand up for my faith at any point in time. I want to be able to talk about it with someone that might not necessarily believe the whole thing, but I also want to encourage people in an age where talking about religion isn't necessarily the most common dinner time conversation amongst friends or groups in any
1: environment. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, this situation came about because we were at a wedding together and we were talking <laughs> over food. And I don't remember how it started, but as soon as the topic got brought up, I, visible reactions on people's faces of like, oh no. Yeah. What other conversation can we start as soon as also, possible? Also, we
2: were two in very two very different state of minds <laughs> during <laughs> that conversation. It was
1: still a good conversation. It was very good. Yes. Um. But but just to to your point, like the other people at that table know us. Yes. And they know they our hearts. So. They know that we are not going to be the judgmental, fiery, no. aggressive people. I'm not going to throw a Bible at you today. And and they know that. And be very still their their reaction was still we Shock do not all. want to have this conversation. Right. Do something else. Even, even though that was like one of the most safest settings to possibly have it. Absolutely. I think that's just that's still where people
2: are at. There's a stigma. Yeah. And I think that's that's more the point that I try to tackle with a lot of people is breaking down the stigmas of Christianity. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things where I had this group of people and in college and what did it looked like to have that conversation, not in a closed Bible study setting. Like where does it look like to bring a faith like conversation to any application, whether it be in my work environment, family, uh, whatever bar, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I've found some of the most entertaining conversations about faith that I've had are after a few beverages sitting in a bar next to a total stranger. Um, and that to me is where, like things start to turn um, when people are at their lowest. What are you providing them? Yeah. Um, I don't have the the discipleship. I don't have. I by no means should I be the leader that people are following in terms of coming to faith. I will be the first to admit that um, I have my flaws. But uh, how are we pointing people in the right direction? Mm-hmm. And when we have these communities where we are sharpening each other's sword so that it's not just sitting on a shelf, but it's actually being used out in an environment. And what does that look like to walk out your front door and talk with your neighbor? You might not talk about faith directly, but what does it look like to bring up taboo conversations and have an open mind and an open dialogue? Um, basic communication patterns that we have lost as a society, in my opinion, are things that as a Christian, you can jump into a conversation and say, Hey, I just want to truly get to know you. Because my faith calls me to care for every nation, every person, regardless of their background, et cetera. Um, And so for me, I guess when I say ministry, it's how am I going out and being a positive influence and ideally pointing someone in the direction that I would like them to join me in. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But what does that look like and how are you doing that? And when you walk past someone on the street, do you say hi to them or do you put your head down? And not along. Yeah. Like, how can you make a difference in someone's life? Because you never know what little thing that you could do that could change
1: the way someone steps, the way someone thinks, etc. Is that, is a lot of that mindset, you mentioned the word sheltered earlier, is that, does that Absolutely. kind of play into that? If you, so explain, explain what you meant by sheltered in the context of like, um, how you interact and whatever. I did,
2: I, went on mission trips, spent a time, a lot of time in youth group, things like that. But even with my friends that were in public schools at the time, they, they never talked about, they had their church friends and they had their school friends Mm -hmm. and you didn't cross those borders. Yeah. Um, even today you might have a group of friends that are Frisbee friends and work friends and college friends. Yeah. For me, all of those people belong in the same room together. Yep. Um, a lot of people are weirded out by that and they don't understand, uh, a lot of times in the ultimate community, we get stuck having conversations about ultimate things. Um, and we don't necessarily talk about any of the other range of topics that are out there in the world. Jake <laughs>
1: nods his head furtively because he has been around me with other ultimate people and just had entire conversations just mean nothing to him because of it. And Frequently. what is it? <laughs>
0: Happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But what does
2: it look like to be at a wedding with ultimate friends and say, "Hey, let's talk about faith." Mm-hmm. We're at this this matrimony between two people committing themselves to each other, yep. and how does this impact the rest of us? Um, and that I think is something that there's an opportunity for. Uh, for me, being in these sheltered groups, I had my church friends. For me, my private school friends and church friends were always kind of one and the same. Um, yeah. they were all going to church, whether it was my church or another one on the weekends, it was still the same thing, but there was this group of people that I just, I know for a fact they're my neighborhood friends and my sports club team friends that I never thought to invite them to church. Yeah. Like that was never a thing. Um, and now looking back on that, it's like, okay, if I'm at a party and somebody's had a few drinks and I say, Hey, you want to come to church tomorrow? Cool all right, I'm still going to invite him. Like I'm going to call him the next morning. Hey, do you remember doing this? No. Like, do you still want to do it? (laughs) I'll buy you breakfast. Let's go. (laughs) Um, there was a brief stint (laughs) in college where we literally were called by the pastor of our church, the drunk guys. (laughs) Um, because in a matter of a three week span, we went from having three people in our pew to having 15, Oh boy. Because we would have a party on Saturday night and on Sunday morning we'd wake up and like, Hey guys, we're going to church. You guys coming? You're on our floor. Like, yeah. All right, cool. Let's go. That's awesome. And it happened for brief. now. Was that like the best way to bring people? No, probably Maybe. not. But it
0: worked. did it,
2: did it put <laughs> a rock in their shoe? Did it open them to a new experience? Did it show them a different thing? Yes. Like they were, they were exposed to something they may not have had before. Yeah. Um, And that's something that really started happening towards the end of my college years and even subsequently after is what does it look like to have a conversation on a patio with random people um, and talk about challenging conversations, but doing it in a respectful manner where I'm not manipulating you to believe my beliefs. I'm just sharing with you the experiences that I have and the evidence that I have for what I believe in.
0: I liked that. That was good.
1: I just started reading. So I've Mm -hmm. been reading Malcolm Gladwell. Heard the name. Not too familiar, though. He had, he was a writer for the New Yorker for a long time. Still might be. Um, and he has the podcast revisionist history and they just, I haven't actually listened to any of the podcasts, but I just keep getting told by people that I need to (laughs) like, yeah, I know. Um, But he basically – he's really good at taking an idea that people are aware of, this idea. Mm -hmm. And a lot of generally accepted thoughts exist about that idea and asking why are those the generally accepted thoughts and is it possible (laughs) to do this differently? And so he does that with a lot of different topics. Yeah. And so one of, like, one of the main ones that a lot of people I've talked to reference is he went into shooting free throws underhand. Hmm. And, like, a very prominent, I mean, so Rick Barry is the person who, like, really yeah. did that. um, And Rick Barry is this, like, tough, crazy dude who would do anything to win, literally. Right. And so you have this this motion that is seen as weak and dumb and it's embarrassing a norm. Yeah. That, that you do not you do not shoot a free throw underhand it implies a lot of things that falsely or whatever <laughs> and so in today's culture somebody like Rick Barry would not allow himself to be seen in that way so he would not shoot some Somebody with that mindset would not shoot underhand in order to be seen as weak. No, right. we're strong. We have to shoot overhand the way everyone else does. Rick Barry decided, "I am out here to win." People hated Rick Barry because he <laughs> was just a very aggressive, yeah, because he was a win at all costs types of person, type of person. So a lot of things come with that. But he realized shooting underhand was the best way to do it. It was the most consistent way to make a free throw. And so he didn't care how it looked. F you, I'm going to win the game, so I'm going to shoot right. this way. And you can make fun of me all you want, but I'm going to make fun of you from the winner's side. Right, exactly. And and so it, it focuses on him a lot and this idea of Wilt Chamberlain. And Wilt right. Chamberlain, there was part of a season where Wilt Chamberlain shot free throws underhand. Yeah, And he shot significantly better. Well, Chamberlain is a known, horrible free-throw <laughs> shooter. And he shot significantly better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he gets... But he gets to a point in the season where he refuses to do it anymore because he thought himself looking ridiculous and weak. Yeah, And he could not allow that to happen. Even if it meant sacrificing, making a and, winning advantage. <laughs> and so... So it's that kind of concept of Malcolm Gladwell says, okay, here's this idea. Why do we think this, you know, just getting into it? And so he's written a bunch of books. The most famous one that people talk about a lot is called Outliers. Mm -hmm. And it looks at, it's basically a study on success and what makes successful people successful. And um, so one of the easiest ones for me to describe, he goes into hockey. And he talks about what makes successful hockey players successful hockey players. Right. And the thing that he found that resonated through all levels of hockey in terms of who the All-Stars were and who went on to be in the pros and who were on their national teams and stuff was the time of year they were born. Hmm. More so than where they were living, more so than you know yeah. socioeconomic status, right. anything like that. The thing that predicted success more than anything else the time they were born. was the time of year they were born because hockey was so strict on... You're in this age group. Right. So that's who you're playing with. Yeah. Well, if you are in the sixteen year old age group, but and so and say it's January to December. It's not, but say it's January to December. You're in a sixteen year old age group. A sixteen year old born in January versus a sixteen year old born in December, so say it's December and the sixteen year old is born in November. So they're both sixteen, playing in the month of December. Well, one of them has had an entire extra year almost. That's a 10-month advantage, January November, of maturity, of physical development. And even 16 is too late in the process. Going down to seven, year olds like when they really start to go into what they're doing. A 7-year-old who's had 10 more months of development mm-hmm. is an incredible advantage. And so, well, now they're going to be the ones that make the all-star team. Yeah. Because they're bigger and better and more skilled than the other person their age because they're actually much older. Right, right. So that person becomes the all-star. That person gets noticed. That person gets put in the better thing. And it it keeps piling on itself. And so all that to say that was his that was one example of success isn't necessarily just because this kid was more athletic, more talented, whatever, got better coaching. Right. It's because he got all those things because he was older because he was born earlier in the year. There's so many avenues I can take that into. Yeah. So, so that, That's just the basis of what Outliers is about is Malcolm Gladwell saying, okay, these people are the ones who are successful. What has made them successful? Yeah. And looking at something that most of us wouldn't actually have looked at otherwise. And he kind of brought up all the, like, tech, the tech people, so Bill Gates right. and Steve Jobs and all them. And they all happened and the numerous other people in that field who are very successful and stuff too. They all happened to be born in a four- or five-year span of each other right? and had certain opportunities open to them that other people did not have. As opposed to their yeah. ability to work hard and you know those things, there are plenty of people who are willing to work hard. For Bill Gates, he happened to live in a community where the college nearby had a state-of-the-art technological computer system that existed in two places in the country. Right. And so him having access to that, there are a million people around the country who were working just as hard as him, but did not have that facility. He had that facility. Right. So, so it's things like that. So, the the books in general, there's Blink and Tipping Point and Outliers, and I just finished David and Goliath. Um, Blink is the idea of being able to make a snap judgment in a very short amount of time, hmm. and how that how that compares to having a ton of time to research and put a lot of thought and all these other stuff into it and how those two things end up being very similar. Yeah. And so we should be able to have, have more confidence in our snap judgments. Versus, but stuff goes into that, like preparation, preparation allows your snap judgment. So (laughs) I I could literally talk about (laughs) it So I just started a book called Talking to Strangers. That's his most recent one that came out this year. And it's this exact idea of how do we have conversations with people? And he introduced it by talking about one of the examples of a cop with a black person and that going poorly. Um, and laying out this idea of here are two people who entered into this situation. Somebody gets pulled over because something was wrong. Right. If If those two people are any kind of way in terms of where they're from, the color of their culture. skin, their temperament at the time, culture, all that stuff. There are so many combinations where everything that played out would have just been, "Here's your ticket, have a nice day." Right. But instead, he is a white cop from, I think it was in, let say it was in Tech. White, a lot of places. White cop. I think he was from Texas. So, <laughs> That's cause fine. Of, and because she was from Chicago, a black, an educated black woman from Chicago, drove down because she was going to an interview at. Um, prayer View A&M. And so she gets pulled over and based on who they are and where they're from and whatever, the way this conversation played out yeah. turned into an altercation. Right. Because they did not take the time, they did not have the ability in the moment to have truly understand each other. Yeah. And so that is what the entire book is about is looking at all of these. He out... he listed a bunch of the things that a bunch of stuff that has happened over the last five or six years, even more further away than that and said if we look at how people are able to understand each other or not these conversations, these incidents would have played out much differently if only we knew how to talk to strangers. Absolutely. And so I'm... (laughs) I'm very excited to read through this book (laughs) and just be like, Oh, this is my new life. Now that's an important
2: just lesson that everyone, if they, it's not a lesson people need to learn. It's just a habit. People need to bring back getting to know the person across from you, getting to know your neighbor. If you're at a restaurant, getting to the table next to you, like all those things are well within your means. It's just breaking down things that used to be cultural norms that might not necessarily be the case because the way that we have changed and evolved. Um, but it's, it's okay to bring those things back. Yeah. And good things will come from
1: getting to know the person next to you. So we highly encourage people talking to one another, <laughs> asking questions. The best way to have a good conversation is to ask questions. Absolutely. You're allowed to have your own opinion. You're allowed to say what you feel and say what you believe, assuming you let the other person do the same with the intention of learning instead of teaching. 100%.
0: Just ask a question, Forehead.
1: <laughs> He's never heard you say that before, so yeah. that just comes really out of the blue for him. Oh, well. Oh, man. Happens.
0: Ask a question.
1: <laughs> We've been going a while. Yes, we have. <laughs> this is by far the longest one now. I Which I, I've i been, you, Jake can tell you, I've been very excited to have you come in for a long time. Since you, you were, were on, on the, the list about three weeks, uh, probably a month ago, actually. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it
2: was. It was well, thank you for having me. Since I greatly appreciate it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and we can easily go into way more conversation about so many other things, which Join means... Join us on part two. But <laughs> there will be a part two at some point. Absolutely. What I've wanted to do... I want to like record while we're at something and just... Like at bowling, I've talked about I want to do something like... Bowling we're would recording, be so loud, bowling. bowling. I know. It, it would, would be, be really rough. loud. So, I mean, the desire, what is I right. wanna the logistics do, probably don't add up. Sometimes
0: I want to have, like, a conversation with, like, 10 to 15 people around, like, a table, and then we just pass it around. The,
1: Talking <laughs> stick. <laughs> it really depends we on can the talk people offline because about that, that one. really wouldn't go well with certain people we know. Um, it's it's kind of how it goes. Eh? Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to do it for today. Um now that it's like halftime of the football game, probably. Uh, Jake check. was watching it the whole time. Not the whole time I <laughs> saw. You were watching it for a large portion of the time. I uh, did.
0: Jacoby Brissett got I don't a. Or no. Yeah, it was got a huge hit on it. I don't him, care. We're getting out of here. Oh man. It's um,
1: ten to seven Texans. Tuesday. So tune in Tuesday when Ian is in here, and that'll be a really interesting conversation. It'll be really entertaining, but. I think it would be really informative, too, because there are a couple of things that we're going to ask him about that should be really, really good. Yeah. So tune in then, and we're going to have somebody sit in for the first time, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, as always, if you want to be a guest, let us know. Tell us. Reach out to us, Instagram, Twitter, or me or Jake personally, individually. Um, follow Ethan if he wants. Nope. All right. Don't follow Ethan. You can do whatever gave you want. You give me a funny look. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, give us money if you want. We can use more sponsorships. We've still only had one. Ooh, fun! What do you? For
2: the record, I'm always open to conversations with strangers, so feel free to reach out to me, and I would yeah. love to have a conversation about 100%. anything that we talked about today. I appreciate dialogue that continues
1: beyond this. He will be. He will be on. Top. I thought, oh, man, that's I thought that was about, about money. that was your desire to have those like? Oh, eh, another time. Another time. Catch oh, us next man. time. He really does want to have a conversation when we get heaven. Um, I keep getting derailed. Thank you guys for listening. Um, have a. Oh no! The thing I was going to be excited about <laughs> is we may or may not have a jingle in the next week or two. Yeah. And that's really exciting. Um, that's just more money that I'm spending, but it's for a worthy cause and it's going to be great, and I can't wait. So be on the lookout for a really good intro jingle thing going on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Have a good weekend. Uh yes yeah, actually I'm like wait a second 30. what day is it Have a good weekend uh go pack go have um be safe everyone and see you guys Tuesday I'm Jake Mathis I'm Jacob Palmer. and I'm Ethan Search see ya.